and welcome into Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are well. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, coming from the Hoopsville Studios, really the WBCA NABC Hoopsville Studios, presented by D3Hoops.com. Uh, hope you are uh, enjoying the week. It has been crazy, to say the least. We are getting going. Uh, regional rankings are out. We've already had a lot of upsets as a result. Uh, it seems to happen all the darn time when this happens. Um, but nonetheless, I swear, it's regional rankings come out, and then uh, we get a carnage night uh, like we just did. And lo and behold, that's what we got. And that's uh, what we're going to be talking a lot about tonight along with our guests here on the show. Of course, we also have a new top 25 to talk about, new number one on the men's side, a new old number one um, on on our side. So it is, uh, it is what it is, uh, to say the least. Um, but we hope you uh, are enjoying everything, uh, and this is what the season was going to be. I mean, let's be honest. We knew it was going to be chaotic. Kind of went through a little bit of a lull, a little bit of upsets here and there. Uh, and then we hit Wednesday night, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. That's how you can answer the questions that we may have. Uh, we will certainly try and answer them for you. Um, so at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can also email us again, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Um, let's talk about the new top 25, for example. Uh, we'll get to the regional rankings in a moment. Again, Augustana, now number one on the men's side, 17 first place votes and only eight points ahead of Benedictine. That basically tells you. A lot of first-place votes, and then everybody who didn't vote for Augustana didn't have them very high. You know, maybe three, four, or five spot with Benedictine up higher, and obviously five first-place votes for them. John Carroll picked up two first-place votes and moved into third. However, they lost. St. Thomas is in fourth, moving up a spot, and Whitworth fell from first to fifth um, accordingly. Um, so, sorry. Messages coming in a little bit here, keeping track of things. So, you know, on the men's side, no surprises there. Entering the uh, top 25, though, Emory, who's on a six-game winning streak, and Tufts with their win over Amherst. Interestingly enough, they entered the top 25, and Tufts I removed from my top 25. Um, let's see. Uh, we also have, I'm trying to see, uh, North Central dropped five places. A Amherst dropped eight. Uh, Whitman jumped eight with their win over Whitworth. Um, and so on and so forth. But then the regional rankings came out. And certainly when the regional rankings came out, that changed a lot of things. And I actually clicked on the wrong link. Apologize. Hold on a second. Um, it it kind of set up the carnage that we have eventually saw in the top 25. I'm trying to get to that top 25. Hold on a second uh, to see the carnage for myself, to remind myself. Here we go. Uh, let's see. Number three, John Carroll lost to Baldwin-Wallace by one. St. Thomas lost to Augsburg by nine. Ohio Wesleyan, number 10, lost to Wabash. Number 17, Susquehanna lost to Scranton. Number 21, Bern, uh, Bern, uh, Penn State Barron lost to Medai. Number 23, Mount Union lost to Marietta. Um, of course, Marietta, number 18. Worcester lost to Hiram. Stockton lost to New Jersey City. MIT lost to WPI. And Con uh, Concordia Moorhead lost to St. Mary's. Those were receiving votes. Of course, their regional rankings, yeah, it took a beating. Number one, Stockton, for example, lost. Um, as we mentioned, uh, number one, John Carroll lost. They were in the Great Lakes. Number two, Susquehanna lost. So, you know, uh, certainly number one in the West, St. Thomas lost. So a lot of the top teams 
uh, taking a bit of a beating. And, and su- not surprisingly so, we tend to get one of these weekends um, or one of these weeks where that happens. Um, but it is what it is. Um, you know, there's not much we can do to, to kind of contain it all. Um, it, <laughs> I don't know what else. You know, it is we, we take what we can take um, on a week like this, because basically what happens is, uh, sorry for the, for the I'm, I'm trying to find the words, but, you know, we get these regional rankings. We're late in the season. So now we're getting a, the, the double dose of the conferences. Teams have gotten to know each other. They're making adjustments. They're starting to figure each other out. And you're going to take some losses, especially now um, where you have to deal with the fact that we're paying, dealing with parity. Lots of parity in Division Three. Um, and I think that and we're seeing more of that now. And so, you know, can teams survive? No. I'm not surprised that nobody's getting through their conferences unfazed. Now, Lancaster Bible is going to probably have to get through their conference unfazed. If you looked at the regional rankings, they're unranked. We warned you that that was probably going to happen. Listen, their answer West is a 421. It's pretty bad. Now, that's mainly because of their conference. Their out-of-conference is okay, but it's not great. Um, I wish... <laughs> trying to find a way of saying this. I wish we could find a way to truly know the difference between the SOS and the win-loss. And I think we're at a dangerous area here where sometimes a team is kept out of the NCAA tournament with a lot of losses, even though a strong SOS. And sometimes that makes a lot of sense. But we're about to maybe have a scenario where we leave Lancaster Bible out of the NCAA tournament should they not get the AQ with a weak SOS and a stellar win-loss. Um I don't know what the right answer is. We're going to keep watching it. I'm not going to go off right now on it because, you know, Lancaster Bible could go win the automatic bid, and and it's a mute point. Their their win against Franklin and Marshall would become a factor, and they could get regionally ranked. It could be a mute point. Um, But it's something to keep an eye on. Obviously, Penn State Barron and some others are dealing with a lot of this as well. So, um, of course, Penn State Barron lost again, so they're kind of setting themselves up here. Uh, But Lancaster Bible, Johnson and Wales over... Uh, as well in the New England area, kind of dealing with Albertus Magnus did last year in the same sense. On the women's side of things, I don't think I saw a lot of surprises in the in the rankings. Um, I, it kind of shook out the way I expected it. I didn't see anything that, that kind of jumped out at me glaring. What I will say, especially on the men's side, a lot of losses. Did you see the South in the men's side? It's being led by Emory at 14-5. and five. Um, There is anybody with less than four losses in the regional rankings. Uh, you go to, that's the same, I think, of the Northeast and the Mid-Atlantic. There's a lot of losses. It's just the parity that's out there. Uh, again, if you have questions, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. I did get an email earlier regarding Lancaster Bible uh, and what to make of it. It's an email. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll personally reply, Ken, if you happen to be listening to you. Um, another thing that we didn't consider that that is certainly a, a major factor uh, for Lancaster Bible is not all their games are being counted. Um, they are currently 20-0. They were 19-0 when the rankings came out, but they were actually 17-0 when it comes to the committee because two of the games, I think against Brynanthen, are not counting because Brynanthen is a brand-new program to Division Three, so they can't be counted. So Lancaster Bible is getting doubled down on this. So, you know, instead of having a 19-0 at the table, you know, that .03 to two wins, that's two wins right there lose them, completely lose two more wins on top of the .03 to two, two-game ratio they're working on. So, you know, that, that not easy, to say the least, uh, for Lancaster Bible. On the women's side, not that surprising. One big thing about regional rankings, though, let's remember, they're going to change next week dramatically just based on the fact 
that we will get results versus regionally ranked opponents into the mix. It wasn't part of the rankings this week. Uh, and so we'll see some changes just based on that information now becoming relevant. For example, Lancaster Bible, the Franklin and Marshall game probably does not come up in conversation with the East region because I don't think anybody else plays them in the East region, F&M that is. So it's not like it's a comparable team. Now you flip that around, you add that in. Now it only makes them 1-0, but it's a big win. It's a significant win. It's a win over a, uh, unfortunately, well, hold on. I want to double check. They are ranked, F&M is, uh, over a number five team. So it's not a huge win in that category, but it's a big spread. And F&M could move up the rankings too. So that may boost them and they may, they may help them. We'll see how this all kind of translates from there. Um, and that, so we mentioned on the men's side, the carnage that took place on the top 25. Let's quickly look at the women's side so far uh, this week. Um, a little bit quieter. There's not much carnage in the women's side as as much right now. Top 25 actually going into tonight unscathed. Mary Washington, the only loser. Of course, they lost to number 18, Christopher Newport. So it was a top 25 battle there, uh, and it was a close game by six. Otherwise, nobody else in the top 25 lost. Those receiving votes, uh, WPI took up their second loss. There's another team that a lot of people notice on the regional rankings weren't very high, but they have a 438 SOS, and they're not helping themselves. Lost to Babson, 62-51. Bethel lost to St. Mary's. Uh, Rowan lost to Montclair State, uh, who was receiving votes. And Superior lost again, which is kind of surprising, this time to St. Catherine, 77-72. So that's kind of a little less carnage on the women's side, but certainly plenty of carnage nonetheless. Um... All right, so let's talk about who we got on guests coming up tonight on the show. Um, for example, let's see. Coming up next, we'll actually talk women's basketball with the number 12 Albright women's basketball team. Janice Luck will join us. Then John Vanderwall from number 8 Marietta will be on the show. Well, then we're going to change gears a little bit, stay in the Great Lakes, go to the NABC Coaches Corner and talk to Lance Loya from Mount Aloysius. Uh, He's, a, he's an author, believe it or not, a children's book author. We'll talk to him about that and the new book he's got coming out and the struggles he has with his program and hopefully how they can turn them around. Uh, then we'll talk to Nichols men's basketball coach Tom Glynn. We may or may not hear from St. Thomas's Ruth Sin. Uh, had a little bit of a miscommunication, uh, part, mostly my fault. Um, she may or may not be available to come with us tonight. If she's not, we'll get her on a new on a show sometime in the very near future. Um, so there you go. A lot, I mean, I'm sure there's lots to talk about, and if there is, let us know. We want to hear from you, and we can answer your questions. Now, granted, we'll get into coaches' segments a little harder to answer your questions, but at the end of the show, we'll certainly answer more of your questions. Remember, in two and a half weeks, these regional rankings will become important because that's how we're going to be selecting at-large teams. This first week's regional rankings, honestly, isn't going to matter come next week. After next week, it's irrelevant because after next week, um, we'll have a new set of regional rankings thanks to results versus regionally ranked opponents. Week one's gone. We don't have this once ranked, always ranked anymore, so it's not that big a deal. It's more of a barometer for us. Understand what's going on. Understand how they all played out. I did get a chance to talk to the men's basketball committee chair about some things, just how, how did things go for them? Uh, did they think it went smooth, et cetera, et cetera? Um, as he says, again, a chance to continue to peel the onion. Next week, they get to, they get to go into that layer that is the results versus regionally ranked opponents, which will open up a whole 
massive other data like common opponents. Uh, that will help them just a bit. Um, they did adjust apparently three or four teams across the country. He thought the Racks did a good job, but they adjusted three or four teams. I did not ask which ones, mainly because I knew I wasn't going to get that answer. Uh, we may get it in the future, but not now. But there were some slight adjustments. Three or four, really, in the grand scheme of things, not that big a deal. Uh, pointed out that the Northeast is tough, as it always is. The West is tough this year. Uh, and the South is tough, mainly, as we pointed out, how many losses are taking place in the South. The West is tough because it's such a grand area. You're comparing SkyAct teams to IAAC to, to, y, to, to not WIAC, it used to be, uh, Northwest teams to um, MIAC teams. And, and, you know, there's a hard way to compare them all. Whereas a Mid-Atlantic can sit there and look at the landmark, the Centennial, the Capital Athletic Conference and the Commonwealth and go, okay, they all kind of play against each other and each other and all that stuff. Um, I get it. You know what I'm saying? So a little harder in the West. Um, Andy pointed out, listen, Central and Great Lakes regions are the strongest, and that is definitely the case. Uh, I think that's good, by the way. Come selection time, we can really have a diverse bracket because those Great Lakes and, and uh, Central regions are going to have a lot of teams that can allow us to kind of intermix and move teams around uh, w with ease. Um, so uh, not too bad. Uh, good good chat with him. Did not get a chance to talk to the women's coach. Had I uh, didn't have time to reach out to her. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we will get going with our interviews. We'll talk to Albright women's basketball coach Janice Luck. They have already tied their record with uh, their school record with wins. They're having a breakout season this year and nationally ranked number 12. We'll talk to her about how that's all going. How, uh, you know, is this exciting? Is this is is it nerve wracking, et cetera? She is an alum, of course, uh, and that will certainly help her as well. Uh, but we'll talk to her about all of that coming up. Um, again, you can interact with us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can interact with us on Twitter, at D3Hoopsville, or using the hashtag Hoopsville. Don't forget, you can interact with us on on, uh, on Instagram now, at D3Hoopsville. We kind of get it rolling now. Uh, tonight, we should really have it rolling. And so on and so forth. So, you know, don't shy away. Interact with us. We'd love to hear your questions. We'll try and answer your questions as well. Of course, email us also, Hoopsville, at d3hoops.com. We'll do our best to answer your questions. There is a uh, chat room on the YouTube page. If you happen to be in there, we'll try and check it on occasion. Uh, but please don't use that as your main way of communicating with us. It is the more difficult one for us to monitor. Uh, so that'll do it. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk women's basketball with Janice uh, Luck from Albright. Uh, we'll talk mid-Atlantic basketball with her in a very interesting Mac Commonwealth. You'll listen to Hoops Hill presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. We'll be back with more Hoops Hill right after this. Something I discovered to myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division three school, you primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. 
I'm a current Division III student athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I believe student athletes can help break down the barriers of exclusion. I pledge to support and encourage my teammates to support my campus's LGBTQ student group by volunteering and participating in events. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I believe that everyone should be educated on LGBTQ issues. I pledge to work with my athletic department and my campus to foster dialogue and create a community of support, respect, and pride. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are Division Three student-athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division Three school, you primarily a student-athlete, so the School is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville. This is Danielle Donahue, Executive Director of the WBCA. And we are a proud, proud partner and very excited about all the future broadcasts. Here's Dave. And thank you. Welcome back to Hoops. So presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA NABC Studios. Appreciate your support. Also, don't forget about the Hoopsville fundraiser on Indiegogo. We'll talk more about that later in the show. We're only about 38% of the way there. Um, we've had kind of a lull since the marathon. Uh, we'd love to rekindle that. we got two and a half weeks left in that. We don't want to just hit our goal. We want to surpass our goal um, it helps us travel. We are going to probably be coming up with a coaches conference challenge coming up in the next couple of days. So stay tuned for that. Um, but looking for that. But also, if anybody else there would uh, like to support us, your support helps us uh, be able to do this show. Uh, we're able to travel as well, upgrade equipment basically, um, and hit the road and see games, et cetera, et cetera. I am hoping to hit the road here in the Mid Atlantic region this weekend to see some games. Thanks to some circumstances that allow it. It sometimes doesn't happen, but I'm going to be trying to do that. But it all takes cost. We hope you could support us. We'll tweet out a link here during the show on Twitter, uh, and we appreciate your help nonetheless. Speaking about the Mid-Atlantic, Albright women's basketball uh, picked to win the MAC Commonwealth. They're living up to the expectations, maybe exceeding them. 21-2 and two on the season, tying a school record for wins, which they set last year. At 21 and 8, they still got two games left to go in the regular season, plus the conference tournament, and you'd expect the NCAA tournament as well. That's a team worth talking to, and so we decided we would do just that. So, joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, I should say, joining us on the City of Salem Hotline is Janice Luck from uh, Albright Coach. Welcome to Hoopsville. Uh, thanks. Welcome, and I'm glad to be here. I appreciate you taking the time. 
Um, first and foremost, congratulations on the season. I mean, twenty-one and two. Obviously, as we said, tied the record last year uh, that you what you set in the conference or in or I mean, <laughs> in the seat uh, the program. Jeez, I can't get my words to work out today. Um, <laughs> to, to with twenty-one wins and plenty to play. You've got you've got I mean a commanding lead in the Commonwealth right now. You got to be feel real good for how this team's been been performing. I do. I, I feel great. Um, you know, we set out like most teams do in the beginning of the season, uh, and your your goals playoffs and, and to win a conference championship. And I think we've done what we needed to do so far uh, to get us there. We've got a few more regular season games left here, but um, you know, already clinching the first place spot is the the first step. So we're we're very excited, and I think uh, the team's uh, ready to go, ready for this postseason. Well, it's uh, impressive that your only two losses came in a three-game span in a span of five days, six days, losing to Amherst on January 4th by uh, 15. Then you beat Widener in between by 16, and then Messiah tripped you up at their place, which, of course, is a tough place to play, beating them by 10. Um, you, I mean, th- that's the only blemish to talk about this season. Uh, it's a pretty good season. The ex- expectations were high. Were you expecting this good a season? Um, I was hoping this <laughs> good a season. Sure, sure. Um, Amherst was was late to our schedule, uh, so you know I was excited when GP called and you know <laughs> said he somebody dropped really? him and uh, you know it was it's a good t- challenge for us. Sure. Um, the Messiah game was a little bit of a blemish for us. I yeah. think it was a, a wake up call that we needed. I'm glad it came when it did. To be honest with you. Um, you know, because we were kind of just walking into gyms and and winning games because uh, we we have a lot of players that can step up different nights, yeah. and I think uh, the girls kind of walked in to that gym thinking that was going to happen. And uh, Messiah is a very good team and a lot of experience winning there, so uh, it did trip us up. But um, you know, I expected to be very good, and uh, I'm very happy where we are, and um, I expected to definitely be in first place heading into playoffs, and hopefully we can stay there and, and uh, finish it off. I think the fact that you have a commanding lead is a surprise. You've got a three-game lead on Lebanon Valley, Messiah, and Stevenson all died at 9-4. and four. Though Stevenson was coming on late here, they lost a lie coming on Monday, which kind of derailed their plans and derailed what could have been a really fascinating matchup that you had with them on Saturday. It's still a good matchup. It's still a good game. There's just a little bit less on the line, though they're fighting to stay, uh, really to get a home game at this point. They're going to be in the playoffs. Uh, Lycoming's right behind them at 8-6, and six, and obviously top five make it in with 4-5 playing. Um, but, you know, a three-game lead, I never say you want to rest your players, and I certainly don't want to say you have to do anything to um, uh, to jeopardize your season, but at least with two games to play, you've got this one kind of in the back. Um, I, I hope you're right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know... Regular the, season, this, Coach, regular season. Yeah, this is... Um, you know, our conference is tough, um, and they are fighting for, you know, for placement in playoffs, and we've got ours, but um, I think my girls still have a little revenge left in them from last season, um, being that we lost to Stevenson in the championship yeah. game, so they they still feel that little sting, and uh, that fires that fires them up. Uh, the other thing I think that helps is we have been really focusing just one game at a time, um, and, you know, we're, we're trying not to look past it, and... Um, and I think that they're they're focused on Stevenson, and they still feel that that bit of revenge. And down there was you know it was a buzzer beater, and and we ended up on top, which was great. Uh, but we didn't play well, and it it didn't feel good. Um, and you know the win looks good, but yeah. it, you know they know we can play better than that, and they're 
they're they're ready to go. Uh, they're ready to to try and get this win on Saturday. Oh, I was there for that championship game. That was a heck of a basketball game, and the whole the whole week, the whole day was good basketball, uh, to say the yeah. least. And obviously, it was nice to see the the Lions break through, as it were. I know you kind of been knocking on the door a little bit, but back to the conference. What I find really interesting is Messiah's in the mix. We had him on at the beginning of the season. They had had a lot of rebuilding, kind of starting from scratch. He said, "Listen." Watch us out. Watch out for us mid-January. That's when we're going to be the dangerous. And you guys, your loss to them was kind of the sign that Messiah was back. Made made the conference a little bit more interesting. Yeah, it did. Unfortunately, we were on the the losing end of that. But yeah. um, you know, he's got some young players, and uh, you know, I even said to him before our last game, I said, you know, your young players are really coming along, and they're, you know, they're getting minutes, they're getting experience, and um, you know, he knows what it takes to win. He's been there. He's been in postseason play, and. Um, you know, he's got a great post player in there and, you know, a, a returning guard. And it's kind of a, a two-person combo there um, that really kills some teams. And I think that they're they're starting to come along very well. And, uh, you know, I think they he was exactly right to start the season. And uh, they are playing, playing well. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them uh, again in the postseason. Um, so you've got Lebanon Valley, Messiah, Stevenson, Lyke coming. They're probably going to be in this tournament. Uh, it's obviously going to have to come through your gym as a grad of Albright. You got to be thrilled that this opportunity is coming to uh, Reading, Pennsylvania. Oh, I'm absolutely thrilled. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of like a dream come true. Uh, something I shoot for every year, even when I was a player here. Um, though we didn't have all the talent uh, on the team like we do now. Um, but to take over, you know, when I was a little bit younger than I am now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, a, a team that had two wins and to set out to 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 build what it, what we have now. Um, it, it took a long time, but we're here, and we plan to stay here. But I'm extremely proud, and, you know, I'm really excited for um, not only the, the girls that are on the team now, but the girls prior to this who, yeah. you know, came in and, and helped us get closer to knocking on the door. Um, you know, we wouldn't be where we are today if, if I didn't have some of the girls that we had in previous years. So um, it's definitely a slow process, a, you know, a work in progress still. But, uh, you know, I'm excited. I think the campus is excited. And um, we've, we've, you know, starting to steal some of the men's fans, which is always a little exciting <laughs> in the women's game. Uh, but we, we've got lots of support on campus, and not just because I'm an alum, but I have some good students on my team that are involved and do well in the classroom. So it's always fun, you know, to get the emails after we win from the professors and the different people on campus and see them in the bleachers. And um, people are already starting to talk about coming to this game and, and the playoff game. So um, it's a real exciting time, and I couldn't be more proud to be an alum here uh, right now. I'm sure Rick Ferry's loving the fact he's losing fans to you. <laughs> Rick's probably going, yeah, sure, go ahead, take my fans. Right, right. Uh, yeah, you know, it doesn't make him too happy. No. But uh, they're, they're making a little run here at the end, too, so yeah. we're pretty excited for them. Yeah, they're coming on strong, too, making for an interesting men's side of things. Let's talk about your team. Um, relatively young. Uh, you only have, what, two seniors on this squad? That's um, correct. And and really, they're not even the, the two main, main threats. Uh, yes, Harris is your main threat, but the other right. senior... Uh, doesn't pop up on the stat sheet as much. But Harris, I mean, come on, 14.5 points a game, nine rebounds a game, shoots 67% from the floor. Uh, I I think the only downfall would be, uh, has anybody adopted the hack of Harris technique when she's only shooting 41% from the free throw line? It happens. Uh, We do see it. (laughs) We do see it. So uh, it's unfortunate, but uh, she works on it. It's just... Kind of a, you know, maybe a little bit of a Shaquille O'Neal in her. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we that's why she tried to make it on the first try. So sure. uh, we at least get the two points. Yeah, that's uh, true. 
Yeah. But yeah, she sees she sees tons of pressure, uh, you know, and I'm I'm so used to it I don't even recognize it in the games so when I get back and watch the game films and uh, you know, she's got two people on her at all times. She mm. she catches the ball, there's three or four people on her. Um it's amazing that she still averages what she does. I mean, um, you know, it's if if she wasn't so uh, unselfish and we didn't have some outside scores, she'd probably be averaging 25, 30 points a game. But um, teams just, you know, they swarm her, and uh, yeah. it's uh, you know it's tough. But she she plays tough and she 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 does well for us. Um, uh, we should mention Nina um, Mazzarelli, uh, second on the team, 12 point uh, points a game. Also hands out uh, the third most assists on the team, nearly 10 points. Shannon Thomas, uh, who also has two and a half rebounds a game. Uh, she's your assist captain. Well, you're second on the team. You got two. You got basically a two-headed monster on assists. She and Jane Joyce with mm-hmm. both 70 more, uh, which averages out about over three a game. Um, so obviously Harris takes all the attention. But if they're putting two on her, there's got to be other threats. I assume Nina's in the mix and Shannon and the, and the rest of them. But you know what is the not the game plan per se, but how do you guys attack that? Uh, well, we always want to go through Harris. That's our number. Sure. Every time down the floor, that's kind yeah. of our goal. Um, be crazy not to. It was 67% from the floor. But, um, you know, Nina and Shannon are both threats from the outside behind the arc. And, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, Nina's a transfer in this year. Uh, so she's new to the program. She came from Division Two Chestnut Hill. Um, you know, Shannon's always been there for us. She's a junior, always been a scoring threat, second team all conference last year. Um, she can also slash and get to the hoop. Um, Nina gets to the hoop, and she does very well for us from the free throw line. Um, so, you know, if if we need to kick it out, we have either one of those two. Um, and then, kind of hiding in the in the wings is Alicia Lofton, who you know you, you don't even know she's out there. And you go down, you look at the stat sheet, and she's flirting with a triple double almost hmm. every game. Um, you know, steals. She's everywhere. She plays almost every position for us, but she can um, shoot a little bit. Uh, she can drive. She takes deep of the holes. She's the fastest person on our team, um, and she's you know crazy athletic on the boards. Um, and uh, she she's our best defender. I mean, she she just kind of does it all. She just brings the ball up, and we don't have Jane in. So um, we have you know obviously we go through Harris. We've got the two on the wings, and then we have Alicia does a little bit of everything, and uh, then then you've got Jane Joyce sitting there, usually left wide open, and she can knock it down herself like she did last night. So um, it's a uh, it's a different person each night that steps up for us, uh, which is a, a huge luxury to have. Um, there's been a couple nights where they've all stepped up, usually in the third quarter, and we look like an amazing team. So I'm hoping that that becomes uh, more frequent for us as we enter the postseason. But uh, we definitely have some scoring threats from the outside, which is making life a little easier for Harris on the inside. But, you know, it's they're not going to leave her open by any means. Uh, as you mentioned uh, several times, you're an alum of this team, so it's got to be proud to see what they've done with them. Of course, you you also played field hockey, which means I think you're absolutely crazy. Uh, <laughs> I, field hockey players, I just cannot wrap my mind around that sport uh, as a player. That's incredible to be. Ugh, I can't imagine uh, that ball is yeah. hard. Um, but you, so you played field hockey, you played basketball, you've been an assistant, mm-hmm. now a head coach, to mm-hmm. bring this program to where it is now. I mean, we're not talking that long ago when it was a six and nineteen season. Granted, you know, we're not long ago when it was a twenty and seven season back in 08 either. But to get it back to where it, where it is now, and and to make possibly a second run to the NCAA tournament in a row, got to be pretty proud. Yeah, I am. I'm proud of uh, you know all the coaches, assistant coaches that have helped help the program get to where it is, and and all the girls that have come through um, and supported the college. You know, there's. 
you know, recruiting costs and everything else that you got to do to get some of these players. And, uh, you know, it's, it's all kind of come together. And I think it's just, you know, a lot of hard work from everybody and, uh, you know, the fact that it is all coming together is great. Um, you know, last year we were so close and came up empty-handed, both the conference and ECAC. So um, we would really like to, to make it to the big dance, as they say, and, uh, you know, win that conference championship is probably number one thing I've ever wanted to do since I stepped on campus here. So um, I, that's all I'm focusing on, and, and that's what we're going to do. Well, as we said, uh, doing it on the home floor. Would mean so much. I mean, winning last year was great. You know, uh, you know, getting or I should say, getting there was great. But it was on the other floor. You know, it, it's nice to get back uh, to your own floor and 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 win it in Reading, which I know would be mean a lot to you guys. You're on a long winning streak. You got Stevenson coming up on Saturday, which will obviously keep you on your toes. Then you uh, finish on uh, on the road against Alvernia before conference play starts. Interesting enough, you will get <laughs> your bye weeks the last Saturday mm-hmm. uh, of the season, which is. Maybe perfectly timed or concerning. What is it in your mind? Um, I think it's perfect. You know, we've we've got some bumps and bruises. Um, you know, we've we've had people you know make comebacks. We've had a couple close games, and yeah. you know, kids are carrying a lot of minutes. And um, I think it'll be a nice refresher to, to have a few days off and kind of re- rejuvenate and uh, maybe watch some other games and uh, maybe get a good meal and do some laundry. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I think it's okay, you know, and we'll, we'll get a scrimmage in there against each other, inter-squad scrimmage that we, you know, kind of work hard in between to carry over those days. But I think a few days off is going to be good and uh, kind of refresh us. So uh, we're, we're looking forward to it. Um, again, big lead over the rest of the conference. Uh, quickly before I leave you, how much has this conference changed? This used to be very top-heavy. It still is, but, you know, it used to be Messiah, mm-hmm. Lebanon Valley, kind of the, the big behemoths. And then everybody else. And now Stevenson's in the mix. Lycoming's kind of reemerged. Uh, you guys obviously have emerged mm-hmm. as a power. How much has this conference uh, changed just in the last couple of years? Um, I think I think a lot. Um, you're right. It always has been like the top two, and you can kind of pencil in Lebanon Valley Messiah, mm-hmm. and it was like you know ho hum. Um, but <laughs> yeah. you know, I think um, you know Stevenson has added you know a, a nice mix. I'd I'd rather be in a challenging conference sure. um, than have to worry about the strength of schedule and have to worry <laughs> about you know out of conference games being you know you know what you have to worry to get your schedule up yeah. and um, you know having a different focus each night at least we know every game is going to be tough you know um just about every game so it has changed and like homing and stevenson and i mean widener you know not too long ago was in lead eight so um it 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 has changed and i'm I'm sure widener will be back on track um very soon but um you know it's 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 tougher each night is is tougher and i know it's you know hard to hard to say that you agree with me when you know when we, we are 11 you know 13 wins in the conference and only one loss, but I think that, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's not easy. You know, we've got two-point games, five-point games, three-point games. It's, it's a challenge every night in this conference, but um, I enjoy it, and I, I wouldn't do it any differently. Um, obviously, second in the, in the regional rankings, the first one that came out, you're sitting behind Scranton, which is no surprise, but you're ahead of Muhlenberg and Marymount, Moravian, Christopher Newport, Mary Washington, York. You're, at, you're ahead of a bunch of good schools if it were to start tomorrow, technically that would mean you're probably hosting the NCAA tournament in your place. How important is it to stay that high in the rankings, which means, you know, not taking a, a, a bad loss or not taking an extra loss maybe? I think it's crucial. Um, I've got a team here that is, you know, putting 
two seasons, 21 win-plus seasons back-to-back yeah. um, with no NCAA experience. Um, so I think for, for us to make any sort of run in the NCAA tournament, it's like imperative that we have a home game. Um, yeah. I think that it would just kind of take that stress off of, of traveling. I remember in 08, and it was my first game. And even as a coach, I was, you know, kind of learning the ropes and figuring it out, you know. And then since then, I've been on regional ranking committees and, you know, um, you know, a site mm-hmm. coordinator. And, you know, even our men's team has been – we've hosted our men's team and, and lots of different stuff, our football team. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm well-versed now and uh, – <laughs> But I think that it's important for the girls to kind of see it as an NCAA postseason game. But, you know, be in your own locker room, be on your own court, have your own stands. You know, the clock's in the same spot. I think that um, I think it's critical for us to, to really entertain a, a big, long push here um, in the tournament. By the way, I think earlier I may have misspoke and said you beat Stevenson in the conference title game last year. If I said that, it misspoke. I don't know what I was talking about there. It was a thrilling game, though. Um uh, so if anybody's out there wondering what in the world I may have said, I don't know what I said. Uh, but I don't know either. But I don't know, but I know we didn't win. <laughs> I know, I was going to say, I know you didn't win either. Um, but obviously a big game coming up on Saturday against Stevenson um, just to keep the momentum going. Coach, I appreciate you coming on the show. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, just everyone listening and all the teams and players out there, you know, uh, good luck the, these last final games and get everything you have and uh, have some fun and get ready for the postseason. Well said. Coach, good luck the rest of the way. Uh, looking forward to watching the Lions. Maybe we'll get up to Reading to catch you as well, and uh, uh, hopefully we'll be talking about you uh, later in March as well. Great. I hope so, too. Take care, Coach. Thanks, Steve. Janice Bye. Luck joining us here on the City of Salem Hotline. Of course, City of Salem hosting the Men's Basketball Championship weekend for the 20th uh, consecutive season. We'll hand out their 19th championship trophy in men's basketball. You can get tickets online. Uh, don't forget the City of Salem, proud hosts of the NCAA Championship Weekend in men's basketball. I want to thank Janice Luck for joining us here on the show. Again, the Albright grad has got her team at 21-2. and two. Chance to break the record in school victories before the regular season ends. They got Stevenson on Saturday, and they got, um, what was it, Albright? Uh, <laughs> uh, Alvernia, sorry, Alvernia coming up uh, after that. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll switch gears, go to men's basketball, and we'll jump into Ohio, talk to one of the hotter teams out there that no one's really talking about, Marietta. Big win over Mount Union. Got a huge game with John Carroll, who just took their first loss. John Carroll game's coming up on Saturday with plenty more to play after that. We'll talk to Marietta, and we'll also talk to a coach after that who's written his own children's book and now written a second book. What in the world do coaches get into? We'll all talk about that in the NABC Coaches Corner. You'll listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC uh, WBCA studios. We'll have plenty more Hoops Hope right after this. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. 
Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. With every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com Hoopsville. Of course, we're on Instagram at D3Hoopsville as well. We're trying to get used to the Instagram technology. We're 50-50 uh, on it, I would say. Uh, and of course, you can always email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Of course, lots of questions regarding regional rankings and other things. We certainly, uh, please send them to us. Uh, if we're on the air with a with a guest, we'll get back to them as soon as we can. And we'll either try and reply to them on air, most likely, or even via Twitter, if at all possible. Uh, also, don't forget about the Hoopsville fundraising campaign. We haven't even gotten 50% there, and we got two and a half weeks left in this thing. We've kind of hit a lull. So any help you can give us to cover Division Three the way it deserves to be covered would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can get more information on our Twitter account. Of course, we'll be talking about it throughout the show as well. We'll try and throw up uh, more information if needed, but you can also email us if you want more information as well. You can get a T-shirt if you donate enough money to us. We certainly appreciate any help you can provide. Let's get back to talking about coaches here. We're going to slide into the Great Lakes region. Uh, in the OAC, we said at the beginning of the season it was going to be a fascinating race, and it certainly is shaping up to be so. Um, Marietta, Mount Union, and John Carroll certainly in the running. Uh, but right now, uh, Mount, uh, John Carroll and Marietta have separated themselves just a little bit from Mount Union, and of course the three of them have separated themselves completely from the rest of the conference. But a big win yesterday for Marietta over Mount Union is a key game. John Carroll lost yesterday to Baldwin-Wallace, which sets up a game on Saturday between Mount, uh, John Carroll and Marietta, basically for first place in the conference. John Carroll got the first game at their place. Marietta would love to return the favor uh, at their gym. And, of course, that means it's all about timing. And so joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the Marietta head coach, John Vanderwall. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you taking the time. Obviously, a big week for you guys. Uh, the, a lot on the line, technically. Not the end of the season, certainly. But to position yourself and try and gain first place at the end of the comp, uh, conference season is important. Also, your last home game of the season. But let me back up a little bit to the fact that you guys are 20-2 and two this season. You're coming off a 28-4 and four campaign last year. There certainly were some high expectations. At the same time, some questions about exactly how good you guys would be this year. How has the season stacked up for you? Well, it's been a lot of fun, Dave. Um, you know, we had a lot of question marks. You know, we graduated – Four guys off last year's team, and then and then lost you know two two of two of our better players just for personal reasons, uh, you know going into the year. So down six guys off last year's roster, and and kind of going into the year, there were a lot of question marks on 
how good this team could be, and, and we really weren't sure. And from that point forward, we just kind of been trying to figure things out as we go, and we've kind of quietly been putting together a, a pretty good year. And here we are, you know, twenty and two, and uh, in, in position to still win our conference and hopefully get another bid into the NCAA tournament. So we're we're just really excited about where we're at. We've got a just a great group of guys this year. I mean, our like I said, uh, you know, with losing so many guys, just and having so many question marks, it was it was nice to see a lot of guys just kind of step up. And I, I think our team is really unified and and they play well together and and they've been a lot of fun to coach and they've been extremely coachable and so it's it's been a lot of fun and we're just hoping we can finish it off strong uh interesting enough i would agree you're kind of quietly going along i know the pollsters have had you all over the place some pollsters you know knowing how much you lost have had you low Uh, i've been one of those who's had you high at some point then kind of middle of the road pack uh, of course, a loss early in the season to St. Vincent certainly raised some questions. And then the other losses to John Carroll, respectively, obviously, at their place. They just lost their first game of the season on Wednesday and lost to their place by four. Um, I know expectations for you guys are high because of what happened last year, and obviously you lost a lot. How do you how do you manage the expectations in-house, as it were? Well, we just try to stay focused on our day-to-day operations. You know, we, we, we really don't talk a whole lot about you know what our expectations are our expectations are to show up every day and have the best practice of the year and uh and try to bring guys along and and try to make sure we're playing great as a unit and so our guys have done a great job of just staying really focused and and uh taking it one practice at a time and then obviously one game at a time and and then you know that that leads up to where we're at now and and we've been taking care of business and putting together a pretty good year the pretty good year is maybe a slight understatement at this point to be 20 and 2. What's interesting is you just blew the doors off of Mount Union. You beat them earlier in the season by 13. You beat them by 25. This guy around 106 81. Is it just that you've got the matchup on Mount Union, or is this a factor of maybe, you know, showing your strength through this team at just the right time? You know, I don't know that we match up great with them. That's always kind of been the thing with Mount. Mount's, you know, giving us some problems the last couple of years because we felt like we didn't match up very well with them. Uh, we've been fortunate. Obviously, Mount Union has a has a really good ball club with a ton of firepower. You know, at their place, we were actually up 33 at halftime, and, mm. and we just came out of the gates lighting it up. And we've had two of our better shooting performances of the year both times we've played Mount. Um, you know, so that's been fortunate. For, for us, obviously, uh, but I, I do think our—you know—we've won 12 in a row. Our team's kind of clicking right now and got a lot of confidence and, and playing really well together. So, you know, it's—we've uh, we, played well in both mount games, and man, we got to find a way to do that uh, Saturday against John Carroll. Um, regional rankings came out. Obviously, have you guys second behind John Carroll? John Carroll now has taken a loss, and obviously, we'll have a second head-to-head coming up against them on Saturday. We'll talk about that game in a minute. But you know, being number two in the first regional rankings, as much as they, you know, as much as they mean what they mean, how do you feel with that ranking in the sense of long-term, looking down the road? If you can maintain that level of uh, ranking, is that a, is that something you guys are, are are happy to be in that position, or is that almost make a target even bigger? I think we were pretty happy with being second in the region. You know, that's about where we thought we probably would be. You know, I don't know that the target's going to get any bigger. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're 22, and we've had a lot of success the last few years. So every every game we go into, we feel like that target's pretty pretty big, and we just got to take care of business. But, you know, we obviously want to finish towards the top of these regional rankings, find a way, because 
one, obviously we want to get in, uh, but two, you know, it's such a huge advantage in Division Three to be able to host host games, and uh, you know, we were able to host the first two rounds last year, and yeah. just an enormous advantage. And then we had to go on the road to Augustana, and obviously that was a huge advantage for them because we didn't handle it real well. Yeah. But uh, you know, so we know how big. Uh, of an impact having home home court advantage can be in, in the national tournament. So you obviously want to finish first or second in your region, so hopefully you get that opportunity. Obviously, as we said, big game Saturday against John Carroll. It's also your last home game of the regular season. You'd love to secure more home games. Um, being second in the conference right now, it looks like you'll at least lock up second at the worst. You're tied for first, though, with this game coming up. Obviously, this could mean making sure everything comes back through you know the Ban Johnson Arena. If you get the win here, on top of the fact you could position yourself better than region, there's a whole mess of things on the line. And on top of that, it's going to be Senior Day for you guys. Um, I, how how hard is it to to focus on this game, especially a team who's coming off their first loss? Sure, you know you're exactly right. If you if you sit down and you think about all the implications that this game is going to have, whether it be the OAC standings and hosting games and regional rankings and the senior day stuff. I mean, yeah, it's, there's a lot riding on this game, but that's exactly what we don't want to focus on with sure. our guys. You know, it's uh, it's kind of fun for, for you and I maybe to talk about it a little bit, but, you know, with practice this week and going into the game, it's just, hey, how do we got to guard these guys? You know, we got to block them out and keep them off the glass, and, and we just got to focus on – all those little things throughout the course of the game that we're going to have to do to, to have successful to to be successful against a great team like John Carroll. I was going to say John Carroll, of course, runs that you know five man in five man out mentality. Uh, not necessarily the system because they don't run that necessarily high octane, but they're certainly a high scoring team. Seeing scores in the nineties and even hundreds isn't that rare. Uh, though they lost seventy nine seventy eight to Baldwin Wallace, who obviously slowed them down. What's the key? Uh, or what are the keys, and not necessarily give your game plan away, but what are the keys to, uh, to, to trying to stop this John Carroll offense and you dictate the, the tempo and pace of the game? Right. I mean, you know, obviously they're getting 93 or 94 points per game, and, and we talked about this when we played Mount Union. You know, probably the best way to slow teams down like that is, is to play good offense. Um, you know, we've got to take care of the basketball. You know, if John Carroll – get you to turn it over and they get to play in transition they're you're probably in deep trouble and so you, you have to limit your turnovers and then you've got to you can't let them speed you up you've got to take high percentage quality shots because a bad shot's basically the same as, as a turnover so you know, those are always things we kind of focus in on when playing teams that are you know like like john carroll and gonna try to speed you up so how we play offensively is is gonna you know determine how we are defensively and then defensively we're going to do what we do and uh you know maintain our defensive principles and do our best to keep them in front of us and make them take contested shots and we got killed on the glass at at their place i think they beat us by 11 uh on the the boards and that that can't happen if if, if we're going to beat john carroll we've got to keep them off the glass and not to look too far ahead it's interesting john carroll's in the midst of playing the top of the of the conference they play baldwin wallace who's fourth then they'll play you guys then they'll play mount union who's obviously in third. And so, you know, they've got a tough finish here before they'll finish off with Muskegon in the final game. You, of course, are in the same boat. You're playing Mount Union, then you're playing them. But interestingly enough, after that, and I know you're not looking past this, but I am, uh, after that's the Otterbein game. And, and nothing against uh, Otterbein, but they're the bottom of the league at 4-18 at and 18 overall, 2-13 and 13 in conference. How do you also keep the guys on task coming off, no matter what happens against John Carroll, 
coming off that game and knowing that the Otterbein game is just as important. Right. I actually had that same conversation with my athletic director uh, last night. I said, <laughs> no matter what happens on Saturday, the last week of the season is going to be really tough. Yeah. Uh, you know, either we're going to be coming off a high and, and, and being really excited, knowing that we're a game up, and we're, you know, and then you got to go in that last week and take care of business and, and win, try to win both those games on the road. That that presents its own set of challenges, or or you, you know you you lose that last home game of the year, and now you got to figure out how to pick your guys up off the ground and get them motivated to to finish the season strong. So, you know that's that's what coaching is, and, and uh, that, those are the challenges that are on your plate just about every day is figuring out how to motivate your team and what buttons to push and and all that kind of stuff. So either way, win or lose on Saturday. Uh, we're going to have to refocus in, in one direction or the other and, and uh, make sure we're ready to finish the season off strong. You talk about losing six players from last year's team. You have four seniors on this year's team. Brennan uh, McKean, A.J. Ireland, Luis Garcia, and Eddie uh, Grenner. Grenner, yeah. Um, of course, a couple of those guys are going to show up on the stat sheet as well. Uh, A.J. Edwards is actually leading the team at 16 points a game, eight and a half rebounds. Uh, Luis Garcia, and by the way, shooting 57%, we should point out as well. Uh, Luis Garcia, 14 points a game, um, pulling down about two rebounds, handing out about an assist and a half, uh, shoots pretty well from outside. Young Dylan, by the way, shoots really well from outside, nearly 50% from beyond the arc with 12 points a game and four rebounds and four assists a game. The other double-digit guy is Eddie uh, Grenard, as we mentioned, 11 and a half points a game, six rebounds a game, and nearly two assists a game. He also shoots decently from outside when he takes a shot. you got a good foursome there, and, and certainly that foursome of seniors as well that's, that's really kind of leading the, leading the charge here. Yeah, that's what makes us pretty good, Dave, is we're, we're pretty balanced, and uh, obviously you know, AJ's putting up some pretty pretty impressive numbers, but uh, you know, Lewis, just a game ago at, at Wilmington, went for 34, and uh, you know, Eddie Grenard second team all league guy last year he's kind of been you know injury bugged a little bit this year so not quite putting up as gaudy of numbers as he did last year but uh you know we, we've got a bunch of guys that could that could step up on any given night and, and hurt somebody and you know we're 10 deep and yeah. i think probably pretty tough to prepare for because because we're pretty balanced yeah you're definitely 10 deep, 10 deep i mean you play 10 guys in every single game and usually you don't see that kind of consistency this late in the season Coaches either have shortened the bench at some point in time and her injury has forced that issue. Nobody else has played more than seven off the rest of that bench. That certainly gets you a nice cohesive unit. Yeah, and I, you know, the thing we're pretty excited about is what we kind of call our second group. You know, those, those five guys that come off the bench feel like they're they're kind of playing their best basketball right now which is which is exciting which is you know there was a stretch uh, in yesterday's game where I uh, at the end of the first half with about six, seven minutes to go in the half. I took the starters out and put those guys in and kind of told the starters, hey, I just want to get you a couple minutes here. I'm going to let you finish the half. Well, that turned into them sitting the whole rest of the half. And, and we rode the second group because the second group really had it going. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a nice luxury as a coach to have. And, and I'm really excited about those guys we're bringing off the bench. They, they give us some extra firepower. And, you know, the last time we played John Carroll at their place, we, we we didn't probably, to be honest, have a ton of confidence in those guys. It was earlier in the season, and and I think that's going to hopefully be a difference for us is that those guys have come along quite a bit, and they're playing with a lot more confidence, and, and we've got more confidence in those guys now as well. And, and so hopefully down the stretch here, that can be a big advantage for us. Geez, not much confidence. You only lose by four. That's pretty, that's pretty uh, telling for this week's game. And obviously John Carroll, who knows what kind of mentality they're going to be in. But how hard is it to scout a 
against John Carroll. When they're going to sub in five and five and five, um, again, not in a system site uh, type where they're going to go every 30 seconds or something or every minute and a half, but a little bit more drawn out. But how hard is it to make sure you got the right matchups defensively, make sure you got uh, understand what they're going to do uh, on both sides of the floor? Sure. You know, with, with Carroll, I think a lot – a lot of it's it's more personnel related maybe than than X's and O's. I mean, you kind of know what yeah. they're going to what they're going to what they're going to run, and now now you got to figure out how to stop it because they got some really talented guys running that stuff. Um, you know, you know they're going to press you. You you know they're going to play an attacking style offense. So it's it's more understanding their personnel that they're bringing into the game, making sure we have the right matchups, making sure our guys know what their tendencies are and and just try to put them in places to be successful defensively. But yeah, it's uh it it always feels like a zoo when you're playing them because so much is going on and then guys are coming in and out and you're trying to get the matchups and it just it seems like a chaotic mess. And uh, it's not a lot of fun as as a coach, but but it is what it is and we got to figure it out. And then if I was trying to scout you guys, again, don't want your game plan to give anything away necessarily, but what is it about your squad that makes you guys so tough? Well, we just kind of got an inside and and outside punch. You know, I mean, our, our post kids, I think, are as good as any Division three post guys out there. They they do a great job of being able to score on the low block. And, you know, we hit 17 threes last night. So, you know, we, we feel like we're not only balanced because we can play 10 guys, but we also feel like we're – pretty balanced in how we attack you, you know, and, and uh, like I said, scoring inside and out. I think we're getting, you know, better defensively. I don't think we were great defensively early on in the year, and I think we've progressively gotten better. So we just gotta, we just got to continue that, that, that progress. Uh, before we let you go, uh, you have certainly been under the tutelage of many, many a good coach, uh, certainly at Albion when you were a player there, but then under uh, Mike DeWitt when you were at Ohio Wesleyan and elsewhere. Um, what have you been able to take uh, from at least those two experiences that you're still using today as a coach? Yeah, you know, I was really fortunate. I got to play for a great coach, Mike Turner at LBN, and then I actually got started with Tom Palumbo uh, at Defiance College. Who's oh, yeah. Guilford, who's at Guilford. Who's, yeah, I forgot about you know, Tom. been to some Final Fours and, and, and all that stuff, and then, and then obviously worked for Coach DeWitt for four years. And so, you know, basically what we do is kind of a – melting pot or a culmination of, of those three places I've been and kind of taking things from each one of those guys that I liked and kind of figured out a way to put it into a system to, to what we want to do. And so, yeah, I was, you know, very fortunate coming up that I got a chance to play for a great coach and, and got to work for two of the best coaches in Division Three. And, and uh, you know, so I feel, feel pretty lucky that I got that opportunity. Well, I uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, fascinating to see how well you guys are playing, obviously. Uh, big game on Saturday, but in the midst of big games as you guys try and close out the season. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? I'm uh, just excited for the home stretch here, and uh, thanks, Dave, for everything you're doing for Division Three. I know everybody pretty much thanks you for that all the time because I know uh, all of us Division Three guys really, really appreciate the the exposure you're bringing to uh to Division Three basketball, so thanks a lot. Well, thank you, Coach. Appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the way, especially on Saturday, and we'll look forward to talking about the Pioneers down the road. Sounds good. Thanks, Dave. John Vanderwall joining us here on the, I should say, City of Salem hotline. Uh, forgot that earlier on. City of Salem, of course, host of the Division Three Championship Weekend. 20th year, they're hosting the Final Four. They'll hand out their 19th National Championship. Make sure you get your tickets now. I want to thank Coach Vanderwall for coming on. Marietta again, uh, 20-2 overall, 14-1 in conference. Big, big, big game coming up 
on uh, Saturday against John Carroll. I think I'll be out watching some other games. I'm going to have to make sure I have the laptop out watching that one at the same time. When we come back, we'll stay in the Great Lakes and we'll go to the NABC Coaches Corner. We'll talk to a coach who has written a children's book and a regular book all about being a good teammate. Talk to him coming up. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studio. More Hoops Hope right after this. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a current Division III student athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete and I believe student-athletes can help break down the barriers of exclusion. I pledge to support and encourage my teammates to support my campus's LGBTQ student group by volunteering and participating in events. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I believe that everyone should be educated on LGBTQ issues. I pledge to work with my athletic department and my campus to foster dialogue and create a community of support, respect, and pride. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. We are Division Three student athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important. But as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Welcome back to Hoops. Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're also, of course, on Instagram at D3Hoopsville. Uh, I think I covered it all there. Uh, obviously, lots of questions regarding regional rankings. We'll try and answer those questions throughout the uh, show. And, of course, at the end of the show as well, we always dedicate some time to your questions. Uh, we'll even try and answer them on Twitter when we get the opportunity, um, et cetera, et cetera. And if you have questions for our guest, fire them our way as well. Now time for the NABC Coaches Corner. We're staying in the Great Lakes region and talking about a team who's got a, a coach who certainly has some fascinating points of view and getting them out on paper, believe it or not. Uh, he'll also uh, give you a good pep uh, uh, speech if you, if you need one. Um, and it all maybe we'll even talk about his former radio DJing days. But more importantly, he's been writing a few books. One of them's a children's book. And the other one, uh, Timing is Perfect, comes out next week and it's for adults. Uh, not sure if it has the cool pictures that the, the children's book has, but we'll find out shortly. But it's all about being a good teammate. Um, and it, of course, comes from a coach who's having a pretty good career. Uh, at his current school, has transitioned them from NAIA, NAIA to Division III, um, but not not that it's that easy, uh, but he's certainly doing well there nonetheless. nonetheless. So we're going to go to the Hoopsville 
coaches or the NABC Coaches Corner, I should say, on the uh, City of Salem hotline. Joining us is Lance Loya. He is from uh, Mount Oasis College. Coach, I think I stumbled my way through that pretty well. <laughs> Dave, you got it good. Aloysius. <laughs> it. <laughs> it's one of those that is just, it, it's going to take a while, but once I get it, I got it. It's like the Buena Vistas of the world. And in, That's in, right. Uh, That's I will right. eventually get it right, and it will stick with me, and then someday randomly screw it up. Uh, well, first and foremost, thanks for joining me here on the NABC Coaches Corner. appreciate you taking the time. Um, obviously, you know, the program isn't probably what you'd love to be talking about, but let's talk about your program. Teams in the middle of the uh, AMCC race, they're 6-16, uh, 3-12 six and, 16, three and 12 in the race. You guys have had a rough stretch since, uh, well, since the beginning of the season. You guys started <laughs> off hot uh, at 3-1 and one to start the season, even went over my alma mater. How dare you beat my Goucher Gophers? Um, but from there on, you guys have struggled, so maybe that's my just uh, just to do. Um, but what what is the story of your team? What is the the, the nitty gritty, as it were? Yeah. Um, before I answer that, you know, everybody at the end of the show, the end of who's always thanks you for all <laughs> that you do for D three sports. And I want to say it right up front because we're all so grateful, Dave. Well, it's you. so grateful for what you do. Now, your question. Yeah. <laughs> what a year, huh? You know, there's so many variables. You just you just can't control. And injuries are one of them. We had, you know, two two uh, projected starts. We're very excited about. Uh, one starts the season off with uh, getting mono. Ooh. And we don't get him back till uh, middle of January. The other uh, breaks a foot, oh. uh, you know, and just those things happen. And then we've got a we've we've got a delicate mix, and I, I use that term you now gingerly. And seasoned veterans who are you know are very quiet personalities, and we got really young, ambitious uh, newcomers. And now the dynamics of that team is, uh, you know, it's created some some you know. Uh, chemistry issues that uh, you know, we're still trying to overcome. That certainly makes sense, and a lot of teams have to struggle through that a lot. Um, of course, the AMCC is one of those conferences that is uh, yeah. tough in the middle and tough at the bottom. Um, Franciscan is down there with you. Of course, Deuville's down there. Altoona and Bradford is kind of in the middle mm-hmm. with Medi. And of course, it's being dominated by Barron for the most part, though Hilbert's having a pretty good season. So it's tough to kind of get the ball rolling from your guys' point of view, but what do you hope the long-term goal for this program is? What do you guys hope? Can you get back into the AMCC mix uh, and, and make things interesting? I don't. That's not going to happen this year. Sure. Um, you know, um, I only have three games left, Coach. I wasn't yeah. expecting a miracle. Uh, so I guess, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, our, our season is over. We're playing for pride, and yeah. we're, we're building through the future right now. Although, you know, there is some is something you can, uh, you know, a certain amount of enjoyment you can take out of uh, being the spoiler sure. and, and changing the, the seating at this point in the season. You know, there's a lot of parity in our league. Our, our league, the AMC, is uh, it's a very diverse league, and at times of schools we have, there's state schools, the size of the schools, um, and just the missions uh, and academics of, of the schools. There's a lot of parity there. And sometimes that affects the schedule. I, um, you know, you can go from top to bottom. Franciscan has one win all year. They beat us. Yeah. We turn around. We beat the defending uh, uh, champions, Madai. Yeah. And then, you know, Madai beats Hilbert and, and uh, Barron. So it's, uh, you know, <laughs> any given night, there really is a, 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 a chance for a win. Uh, you got three seniors on the squad, and certainly uh, you'll lose them, but you got a lot of players who are contributing. Uh, you're led by Dylan Bender, mm-hmm. uh, 18 points a game. You've got uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron Wade at about 13 points a game, and then two guys nearly at 10 points, Daryl Sanders and 
Chad uh, Eisenhuth. What? What? Uh, listen, I was an Owen Seventeen soccer team. I understand how cha- <laughs> a team that shouldn't have been, by the way, just for the record. That may sound bad, but we had the talent. Um, yeah. But injuries or, or 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 personnel who couldn't return certainly made a big difference. So I can appreciate where you're coming from. Um, but it's building now towards the future. How much can you do with this squad? Um, that's there. How much are they learning from this, and how much can you turn it around? Yeah, you're a public speaker, so we're putting you on the spot a little bit here. But <laughs> how much can you turn this, get these guys motivated to understand that hey, this isn't the end of the end of the world? And yeah, we've had a couple of rough seasons here, but you know we can we can still make strides and be at the top of this conference. Well, I think just two things are going to play into that. The first is uh, you know the seniors we do have, uh, they're really great kids. They just they know they're, they're good examples of class good examples of, you know, just what you want your daughter to grow up and marry. I mean, <laughs> Dylan Bender, a leading scorer in a conference, he's a straight-A 4-0 student. I mean, uh, he's one of our campus leaders. He's involved in all kinds of things. He just asked to be our commencement speaker. I mean, so it, you don't get a higher-quality person. Wow. So he set a good example, you know, in what we aspire for the players to all become. Now, uh, it will take very, very little on my part uh, to get the team turned around and pointed in a different direction next year. I mean, this year, we have seven games. We have all come down to a final possession. We've had a chance uh, to make the victory go our way and just haven't. You flip those seven games onto our record, you know, take seven losses off. What's well, a different story? Sure. I mean, the, the margin of error has been that small. And just giving those year, uh, guys a year of experience under their belt, that's going to make a world of difference uh, without me doing anything. Sure. Um, of course, that Goucher game, I only sit tip on that because they barely lost a Catholic the other night. So, you know, yeah. very similar programs. You beat them by two points. And then the next night you went out against Roanoke, a very good high-scoring team, and, and you played them to within 12. I mean, that, you know, as I said to everybody on that 0-17 team, 12 of those games are two goals or less, which in the soccer yeah. world means it's tight. Uh, you're playing tight games. You go through this, there are a lot of close games. Yeah, we've had that. Uh, I mean, geez, Rona can really shoot it. Yeah, we they find can. them on a night when, <laughs> when they're on fire. They, you know, they're off another shot or two, and it, it ends up twelve. But you know, there's some fouling and you know yeah. those type of tactical things. The, the margin is even probably closer than that. Um, obviously, looking forward to the future, and hopefully, uh, the team can can recover. We certainly would love to see the, the Mac get it kind of uh, in gear. By the way, I always thought the, the letters that you guys go by Mac. And mm-hmm. There's a few conferences we should throw you in just to screw up everybody, like the Mac <laughs> Commonwealth or the Mac Freedom. Hey, it's Mac and the Mac. It's my own little sense of humor. Um, obviously, you would, you know, the, the season is what it is. But you know, there's a lot of coaches who do a lot of things outside of just coaching the game and 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 whatnot. You are extremely busy with some extracurricular activities, as it were. Um, coaches don't have usually a lot of time, but you have found time to be a public speaker. You also have written a book. Technically, you've written two, as the other one is coming out. I'd love to talk a little bit about that stuff because I, I'm I, obviously you're you're tapping into your coaching in a little ways to to write these books, but at the same time, I suspect these extracurricular activities kind of kind of breed into your coaching too. Yeah. Um, well, quite deliberately. That's, I, <laughs> I think you're going to be challenged to find a coach that they don't want those things to, to be a part of, uh, you know, their philosophy. Well, the first thing you did was you, you wrote a children's book. And what the best part is, by the way, it's illustrated by you two. Now, I don't have any pictures on the inside, but we have a picture on the outside. Not too shabby, Coach. Oh, uh, <laughs> it's called Be a, Be a Good Teammate. Uh, it's obviously designed for kids. 
uh, young kids uh, who are just learning to be to be athletes uh, and play sports. My son would be one of them. He's he's now two seasons of soccer and just picked up his first season of basketball. We're really just learning about the skills here. We're not playing games. Right. Um, but what's the mentality behind the book? Well, it's a it's a very simple message, where, you know, that has a very impactful and heartfelt uh, you know outcome. Uh, the story behind it's very simple. We had a player here who, uh, by the name of Aaron Patrick, didn't get a lot of minutes. Well, wasn't a star on the court, but was selected and uh, rightfully so as a member of the NABC All-State mm-hmm. Good Works team. Mm-hmm. Just, just a fantastic kid. Did a lot of great things off the court and very beloved by his team. Um, you know. If he goes out, they take him to the Final Four, and he's recognized on you know at center court at uh, Dallas Cowboys AT&T Stadium. And, yeah. uh, just a wonderful experience for Aaron, and he earned it all. On the flight home, you know, we get a, a ton of turbulence, and I'm just bouncing around the cabin, and you start you know things start flashing through your mind. Of which one I'm thinking, what if this sucker goes down? Yeah, you know? been well, on those flights. Yeah. And I and I have two I have two young daughters myself, mm-hmm. and I started to think, well, if this goes down, what do I want? What what do I want them to remember? What one last bit of advice would I want to you know plant with them? And I started thinking how you got on the flight to begin with, and I started thinking about Aaron. You know, at the end of the day, Aaron was a good teammate, and that's why so many people liked him. He was a good teammate, and I think that's what I want my daughters to know: be a good teammate. It's all encompassing, you know. The world can't have too many good teammates. And, and right now, kids look at themselves and they see themselves with a uniform on. They identify themselves with that's their team. You know, they're a, they're a lion or they're a tiger or they're a blue devil, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, they're 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 part of a lot more than just that team. Sure. You know, their their neighborhood is a team. Their community. If they go out when they get a job, they're they're. Their company is going to be their team, and ultimately their family. And so, you're always going to be part of a team. And if you can just make a point to be a good teammate, you're always going to be in demand, and you're always going to bring value uh, to your purpose in the world. So that was the premise behind the book. So, how do you convey that message to a kindergartner? Well, yeah. the medium was <laughs> good call. You know, and after I'm dead, my words are going to be, you know, they're going to fade. So we tried to put it down uh, on paper in, a, in something they could remember. And initially, I did it just for my own daughters. Hmm. Uh, and I'm not very artistic. And I've heard of, there have been a few other basketball coaches over the years who have written children's <laughs> books. I mean, John, John Wooden wrote Inches and Miles, yeah, which yeah. is one of our favorites. I don't know of any other basketball coach who's illustrated a book. Uh, True. So, yeah, I've so, seen uh, I've seen the drawings on uh, play sh- playboards. Yeah. Not all that great sometimes. Yeah. Well, I like to think my artwork on the book is a little bit better than my artwork on a clipboard. <laughs> Good, uh, yeah, at least during a timeout, I had more time maybe. Um, so anyhow, that was the that's the the story behind the children's book. Now it blossomed into way more than I ever expected. Because sure. uh, you know, all of her friends started wanting it, and then uh, once it got published, uh, you know, um, I started getting calls from all over. The libraries want it. I have schools. I have literally have copies of this book has been sold all over the country. That's I just great. had a, uh, a, a um, there was a, a school in Arizona called and their district ordered a bulk load of them. There's a I had a school that the uh, the guidance uh, office has uh, has designed an entire curriculum and their anti-bullying program hmm. around that book. Interesting. So I believe we're doing some good with that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And based on the popularity of that and, and the feedback I kept hearing, you know, people would call, you know, you'd, it's funny, you go and speak at things. I'm getting asked to speak at book festivals and children's book festivals all the time now. And I'm a little bit out of my element on that one, <laughs> but I like doing it. Sure. Um, so afterwards, there's always somebody who pulls you aside and says, boy, we got some people at my company need to hear this. I need to get this book, you know, for some people working for me. So based on that, uh, that spawned the other book. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you're doubling down here. You've gone from yeah. children, now you're aiming for adults. Uh, your new book, Building Good Teammates, the story of, of my Mount Rushmore, a coaching epiphany, and that nun. Of course, there's a picture of a nun uh-huh. on the front cover, which we're showing now. I mean, you're, now you're now you're going for it. You're going for the all-in here. You know, this is the book that'll show up on the Kindles and the and the uh-huh. e-readers from now on. What's what's the mentality behind this one? Well, it, it takes you through the basic. Um... Uh, story that I just told with uh, you know the the Good Works Award, and then all right, so that's what you want to tell people: be a good <laughs> teammate. Well, how do you get that done? Yeah, you know, and, and how do you, as a coach, you know, everybody wants to be competitive, and I think from a coaching perspective, there, there's value in that. Um, but, you know, there, there there's also a growing movement where I don't know what the the right term for it is, but you know, the everybody gets a trophy league. Where everybody sure. participates, yeah. gets a trophy, and, and and I see I see where they're coming from, and there's value in that, but it's not necessarily realistic. The real world doesn't work that way, and, and I think that philosophy uh, you know, leads to disillusionment for for kids. Um, so you know, with in teaching them to be ultra competitive, you know, may not necessarily set them up to be well-adjusted, successful adults either. I think as coaches, what we can do is if we can really emphasize teaching kids to be good teammates, you know, thinking of something, the team, you know, the proverbial team, ahead of their own interests. You know, if you can get a kid to do that, well, when they become, uh, you know, and, and get into the corporate world, when they get into their families, neighborhoods, um, then they have a chance. So that the book is, is largely about that. So how does a coach go from being ultra competitive, uh, you know, to throwing water bottles and slamming clipboards and those type of things, you know, to stepping back and Making your primary emphasis teaching kids to be good teammates. Um, well, we had the, the, our, our college is owned uh, by the Sisters of Mercy, yeah. and they have uh, uh, some core values that they work into the curriculum and the mission of our college here. Uh, and we've the book is basically the story of how this one you know, very personable nun by mm-hmm. the name of Sister Eric Marie who loves basketball. She comes to all the games, sits oh, behind the bench. Cool. Uh, she's fantastic. And, and she comes around our guys, and she's like uh, become a surrogate grandmother to our team oh, and has been for years. Well, it's her and how the influence she has had on me and how her influence has changed my own coaching uh, perspectives and how she's helped me get kids to be you know, good teammates. Gotcha. Well, that certainly sounds fascinating. Now, the children's book is out. The, 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 the new book, though, is coming out, correct? It's not out just yet. It, uh, it is finalized. It will be released, uh, we're hoping, next week, okay. certainly in time for uh, uh, the March Madness uh, <laughs> that, that is on the horizon. Uh, so the timing of it, I think, I think is probably about right. Perfect. I'm going to go out and at least get the children's book, if not the adult book. My son would love that book. Uh, we're going to go out and do that. Um, for, for it's funny. Sure. I have kids, coaches, other coaches who have got it say, you know, thanks a lot. Now my kid will not go to bed at night until we read <laughs> the 
teammate books. Well, that, <laughs> that's a good problem to have, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll dump that on my wife. She's a behavioral <laughs> analyst. She'll find the right timing to make sure they still go to bed before for maybe using that as a catalyst. You know, yeah. We'll find a way to do it. So, uh, Well, by the way, you, you've also had some other crazy things. I hinted at it earlier. Uh, public speaker as well. I've noticed that you, you, you're you more than happy to go in front of some groups and, and be their public speaker. You're also a former morning show radio disc jockey. Um, I don't know if you know the name Broadway Bill, but are you as crazy as, as, the, as the afternoon drive guy, Broadway Bill? I'm not crazy. He's great. Yeah, um, or no, any of the other famous, or you're not a Howard Stern, you weren't a Howard Stern type, were you? No, no well, you know, <laughs> I don't think so. Although, you know, Howard was uh, was always simulcast in our, our market, and he's, he's still had higher ratings than oh, us, so, so it's hard hard to beat that. No, you know what, it, it's, it's been a, I don't know what the expression is, it's been a wild ride. Sure. You know, in my, you know, the course I've followed, the path I've has gotten me into coaching, uh, is certainly, you know, unconventional, yeah. probably the, the best. Word. I can understand I, that. Yeah, when I uh, when I got out of college, uh, my undergraduate degree was in theater. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I noticed that. That's outstanding. It, well, it, you know, it's probably the product of uh, poor advising. I don't know that I ever had <laughs> ambition to be in that field at all. Other than when I signed up for classes, I signed up late, and uh, my advisor stuck me in this theater class. Well, again, I liked the professor. Uh, he's a fascinating guy. He worked. He's a Hollywood. He worked in stunts. He did like pyrotechnic and stuff. And I really liked this guy. So when it came time to sign up for next uh, semester, I said, "Hey, is uh, you know, Mr. Sensel teaching any more of those classes? Can I have him again?" She says, "Yeah, I can get you another one." Well, at some point, you, 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 I'm embarrassed, but I like to say I'm matured enough to say, sure. "All right, what can I get a degree in with all these credits?" Yeah, I, I've so, been that road. Trust me, I know yeah. the feeling. Uh, so, not, but yeah. how did this get into radio DJing, though? Well, when I when I left when I graduated school, I uh, was taking a couple extra classes, and uh, I, I was in a class with a, a non-traditional student who worked at the radio station, and he just thought it was a speech class. He said, "You know, you are, you'd be good on the air. You got to come down." So they got me a job on the on the air. So I started working, you know, some overnights back then. It was you know yes. pre-computer days. You still yes. had to put the disc in and you know uh, and manually do the reels with the. Uh, yeah. Uh, commercials. Um, so I started doing some of that. Well, then I got up, eventually I was on doing the mornings uh, in our morning show, uh, and I was done at you know, 11 o'clock every day, and I had my rest of my day free. So I signed up, uh, uh, I decided to be a referee. <laughs> okay. So I started refereeing high school basketball games, <laughs> and uh, you know, I worked my way up. I was doing varsity games, and, and then I get this call. Uh, from uh, and I recognize the name because he had been doing college games. He was a pretty prominent college referee. And I think this is it. All right, I'm getting called to the show. Finally moving huh. up in the world. Well, it turns out he's also a high school principal and their basketball coach. Uh, they just lost their basketball <laughs> coach and they needed a, somebody to coach. And I kind of thought, well, you know, if he's calling, he's not thinking too highly of my refereeing. <laughs> Maybe I'm in the wrong field. So I started coaching, and then shortly after I started coaching high school basketball, um, our radio station was bought and sold, and we all lost our jobs. No, oh. so, serendipity. I don't know. Hey, give give me a little taste. Can you give us a little tease of what it was like <laughs> to be on the radio? Come on, a little flashback here for you. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I get this I, question when I'm the PA announcer all the time. People ask me to announce stuff, so I figured I can do it back to somebody else. I. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to. Uh, uh, well, I'll give you a quick segue. Perfect. Uh, it's. Um, I don't know. Hey, Bruno Mars at the top of the hour. We got those shot at those Britney Spears ticking up coming up. Uh, just a few minutes right now. It's Elvis Presley on today's hit music, Hot 104.
pretty good, but I'm trying to imagine Bruno Mars and Elvis Presley and Britney <laughs> Spears all in the same grouping. But that's not bad. I was, I was trying to get the most no, bizarre combination I, love I it. could come up with. I love it. It sounded great. That was awesome. Thank you, Coach. Uh, I'm going to expect that from now on, though. Uh, so anytime <laughs> I call you, I'm going to expect you. Uh, by the way, proves that you can have different voices. People don't realize. Uh, they've come to games where I've announced. They don't understand I have a different voice. Yeah. Proves. You, you, everybody's got a different voice when well, you put you a know, microphone in front of them. I've got the. Well, it's funny. I don't need to do, you know, Wild Bill. I don't exactly have Wolfman Jack. You know, <laughs> oh, baritone voice. Yeah. The voice of this, you know, high pitched Swedish lad. I don't know. But, That's uh, a good reference right yeah. there. Wolfman Jack. Wow. Uh, well, Coach, before we let you go, we always have fun with those who have, we have on the NABC Coaches Corner. We ask them the exact same questions we asked everybody else so that we can kind of compare answers. Not literally compare them, but if we wanted to go back, we could hear the different points of view. Do you mind if we ask you a few questions here? Fire away. All right. First part, what's the best part of coaching, especially in Division Three? Now, granted, you you started your career as an NAIA coach and uh, as you transitioned the program into Division Three. but what's the best part of coaching, especially in Division Three? I would... I'd say uh, and it's probably the same no matter what level you're uh, coaching at. Um, it's the relationships that you each chance and, you know, the, the opportunity to, to help mold the future, uh, you know, of kids. And more specifically, I guess, at Division three level, um, you know, we don't have, and I don't know if it's any convenience, but I don't have to worry about them, you know, their agents or their, uh, you know, attorney pro, whatever other, you know, I don't know stress they have in their life. Sure. I have to worry specifically about can we help make them, you know, a productive, well-adjusted citizen to use, you know, uh, their skills in a few years, uh, and that's that's the fun part of it, and that's what I like best. Cool. Uh, what's your biggest pet peeve as a coach? Uh, I don't like players that you know put themselves ahead of the team. I don't like selfishness. So one of my pet peeves, and when it, when a kid fouls out of a game, when the game's over, they they rip their shirt. They untuck their shirt right away. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I just sent a message that, all right, I'm not involved in what you guys are on your own now. What if we put the starting five out there, and as soon as the starting five are announced, the other eight or nine guys name all untuck their shirts. Mm-hmm. And he would never do that. So now I, I like people that, that, that keep their poise in that situation. I like that one. Uh, what rule or nuance of the game do you love? <sighs> I like kids to take charges. Mm-hmm. I know there's a, a move lately to reduce that call in our game uh, with the restricted arcs, um, and those are probably good moves. We have some really just smart, wise people uh, you know, on the rules committee, and they're, they're, they're really taking good care of the game with you know, the direction they're taking. But I hope they don't completely abandon the charge because I think it's, you know, it's still a hustle play, a scrappy, you know, selfless play. Uh, that somebody maybe not as uh, as physically gifted can still do and you know contribute to the game. I like that. Uh, what um, rule would you like to see maybe changed or removed from the game? Now, granted, we just went through a number of rule changes, <laughs> uh, so this is a little tricky. But is there any rule that you'd want to see changed, maybe removed, even added, maybe? Yeah, well, I'll give you one of each. Okay. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a it's a very it's a little known rule. It doesn't happen very often. But it inevitably happens at least once a year, and the double whistle, yes. or uh, it's a block charge call. Yeah, uh, you know, I think the penalty is wrong on it because you know both players are assessed. Uh, one the kid, is the, the charge player, is called for a foul, mm-hmm. and then the, the blocking player is also charged for a foul. Then they go to the alternate possession, um, and, and I understand. Uh, 
you know, it, depending on the referee's perspective where they're standing, it could very well appear to them. It might be an honest call. They thought it was one of each. But the kids both get penalized, and the team also loses it, uh, the possession arrow. Okay. I think I think it should be handled the same as any other double whistle and just be the jump ball, you know, the alternate possession. So neither player should be assessed a foul. Because okay. the reality is one of those referees, whether it was intentional or not, they shouldn't have made that call. True. And it's hard to imagine that they can both take place simultaneously. Yeah. It's, it's not possible. And I understand it. Another one I'd like to have added, hmm. well, this is going to be a little bit out there, but I wish, and I wish this would happen across all of amateur basketball, I wish there was a minimum uh, participation requirement. Hmm. Um, you know, um, and I don't know, in practice, it would level the playing field. In fact, it probably do a little bit of the exact opposite. But I think if what we're doing is using sports as a means to to teach life skills, you know, in life intangibles, then I think we got to give uh, kids a chance to really contribute, and that's what they're really there for. Um, you know, in sports, there we have a lot more competition than there were in previous generations. We have the internet, iPods, video games, yeah. all kinds of things for entertainment value. You uh, know, if you can't get kids to play, you can't give them an opportunity to participate. They're going to find something else to occupy their time with, and, and that's not good for our sport. Interesting. So, yeah. I like that. Um, if your wife, well, I, I, for I was chatting with your wife, what <laughs> yeah. would she say she'd like to see you change on the bench? Like how you coach on the bench during a game? Uh, well, you know, it's funny. We talked about Sister Eric. My wife and Sister Eric both say the same thing. <laughs> uh, they they wish I wouldn't show I wouldn't show my uh, you know, be so frustrated if something happens because I think the kids, you know, it, it gives them permission to do so too. Mm. So I don't know. Something it's hard. It's hard not to have that spontaneous emotional reaction. Sure. Uh, so that's all I guess I continue to work on. Okay. Uh, same type of question, but from your assistant's point of view, uh, what, would, <laughs> what would your assistants like to see you change? This is the easiest one because I'm going to give the same answer as every other coach. Every assistant feels this way. They wish I wouldn't stand in front of them during the game. <laughs> yeah, I've heard yeah, that. You want to talk about changing the rules? Yeah, you make a specific spot in the coaching box where there's nobody sitting behind them because you're either standing in front of players or yeah. you're standing in front of them so they can't see. So that's an easy one. That's awesome. I like that one. Um, okay, so you're a theater major, so you might have a, a leg up on this one. But is there anything you've figured out you can say to a referee? That gets you right up to the line, but doesn't cross to the point of getting a technical. Yeah, I'm probably the the, the wrong person for that question. <laughs> is, is that ironic? I don't know. I've got a really good streak here, about five years with no tech. Well, that's my point. You're, you um, clearly know what you can say. It gets you up there that yeah, doesn't cross yeah. the line. And I really don't talk to the referees. Um, I just, you know, uh, listen, I started out coaching a very tiny high school in a very rural area. And we were grateful that we were able to get a couple guys to come and referee. So I know what bad officiating is. And at the college level, at, this, at the NCAA level, there are no bad officials. Maybe you don't agree with them. You know, they might have an off night. But there's no bad officials. And I know they're all honest. They're trying to, you know, uh, they're giving it an honest effort. So I don't know. And, and I, in the history of the game, I don't know that a referee has ever come back and said, you know, I thought more about that, Coach. You are right. I'm going to change that call. <laughs> I understand that. Yeah, that doesn't happen. So I, I try to be respectful of them because I think even if I get in their head, I say that one thing. I know the famous what's the famous uh, you know Jim Valvano line. Can I can I get a technical for telling you what I think or yeah. what I'm thinking? Yeah, I'm thinking, yeah. I think you stink. Yeah, well, 
all right, you get away with it then. But referees are human. You're going to see them in a, you know, a game or two later oh, in the yeah. season. They don't forget. No. So what? I don't. You just you get away with it then. It, it'll come back to haunt you. So it's just better to be respectful and just let those guys do their job. Makes sense. And when you retire, and you always all good coaches do. Uh, yeah. When do you? What do you hope people will remember you as a coach? <laughs> Boy, that's a tough one. I guess two things. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess I hope they would say that, you know, he used his, you know, the gifts he was given, his God-given gifts to, to make the world a better place. And then, and then I hope that the players say that he inspired me to do the same thing. That's a good one. I like it, Coach. Uh, as you obviously know, the tradition here on the show is we always give the final word to the coach. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, I already thank you for all you do, so I'm not say that. Uh, I've got that out of the way. Um, and I'll buy the book. Yeah. I think you'll find benefit for it. And if, and if you if you have a child, your child will. You know, the cost of a children's book is a lot cheaper than, uh, you know, a rehab is. or uh, bail money or any of those other things <laughs> of a wayward child. So plant wow. that seed now to be a good teammate. I guess I'd say this. This is what, this is what I'll leave with. And uh, I don't know if I can hang up or uh, drop the proverbial mic. But it'd be very simple, the message of the book. Good teammates care, good teammates share, good teammates listen. Be a good teammate. Very well done, Coach. We'll let you leave on that. He is Coach Lance Loya. He is Mount Wishes, and they are in the AMCC. Go check out his book, Be a Good Teammate, and the new one coming out, Building Good Teammates from Lance Loya. We appreciate him coming on the show here in the NABC Coaches Corner. Uh, plenty more ahead when we come back. We'll switch gears, talk some women's basketball, and plenty more. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC uh, WBCA Corner. Uh, yeah, what am I saying? WBCA Studios is what I'm trying to say. I'm also wanting to say I want to thank Coach for joining us on the City of Salem hotline. Don't forget the City of Salem hosting its 20th Men's Basketball Championship weekend and handing out its 19th National Championship. Get your tickets today. More hoops right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important. But as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, 
or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, from the WBCA NABC Studios, of course, Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. we got one more segment, a uh, guest update. We will not have St. Thomas women's basketball coach Ruth Sin on the show. Uh, miscommunication on my part. We confused as to which day we wanted her on the show. We apologize to the fans out there who may be anticipating her. We will get her on a near show as possible as early as Sunday, uh, but we do apologize for any confusion we may have caused with that. Um, also update, we'll talk, uh, we'll answer your questions if you have any. We'll also talk to you about schedule updates uh, and talk to you about the, um, uh, what are we talking about? Uh, the fundraiser. I'll talk about that coming up at the end of the show. In the meantime, as we said, we got one more guest. Uh, we'll jump up into New England now. Kind of got a little screwed up. If anybody knows this show, we don't tend to talk about New England on Thursdays. It's usually a Sunday thing. But apparently last Sunday, I'm still recovering from the Hoopsville Marathon, and I booked an East Region guest where I met a Northeast Region guest. Got the whole thing bungled up, so we're replacing the East this week with Northeast. We'll get back on track on Sunday, so bear with us. Uh, we'll get going with that. But in the meantime, up in the Northeast, obviously lots to talk about. And in the next couple of shows, we'll try and get up to speed a little bit more, especially with our regional reporters. One of the teams that is flying way under the radar would probably be Nichols out of the Triple uh, C. Um, they are certainly playing well out of the Commonwealth Coast. They are 19-3 and overall, 13-2 and in region. They have not lost a game since January 7th against Western New England. The other part about this, though, is a vast majority of their schedule has been in the 2016 part of it. They played a lot of games in January and February so far. So we figured, well, we better go talk to the Bison, who we've had on the show before, because it certainly seems rather interesting. So joining us on the um, City of Salem hotline is their head coach, Coach Glenn. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Dave, thanks for having me on again. Absolutely appreciate it. We've had a glitch with our program here, and I apparently don't have your lovely picture up, but we'll get that as we talk. So those okay. of you watching, just imagine he's there. He's got a nice picture up. I mean, he looks pretty nice. Uh, <laughs> Coach, um, listen, I mean, last season was 20-6. and six. The season before that, 23-7. and seven. It's not like you're not accustomed to winning. It's not like you're not accustomed to controlling the Triple C as well. But, you know, you're having a good season here at 19-3, and 13-2. got to be pleased, at least, with how you're able to keep up the routine, as it were. I am. Um, it's been a fun year. Um, we actually, this season, only returned. 20-win team, so um, definitely uh, got to a little bit of a slow start um, early on, but we kind of stuck to the process um, day in, day out. Used to turn the team each day, you know, trying to win the day, and, you know, we got into conference play and kind of come together now with this 11-game win streak. Yeah, 11-game win streak is nothing to shake a stick at. No matter what the conference is, uh, it is a challenge. I don't want to take anything away from what anybody does here. You got to be. You, you also just got off the road after two games. Western New England and uh, Salve Regina wins there uh, to keep this streak alive. But I, I hinted at it at the beginning. You played a majority of your schedule in January and February. Um, let's see, two, four, six, eight, seven, nine games in the first half per se right. uh, in November and December. 
Um, you kind of spread them out. You actually had uh, a, a number of those games in November. You only played four games in December. How hard was it to get back on th- onto the track, as it were, after the last game being December 12th and then the first game back being January 5th? Right. Um, you know, it was. I was, I was telling my coaching staff, um, you know, we really didn't need the break. I kept saying that term. We like, <laughs> <laughs> not really. Uh, things were finally clicking as we moved uh, into the month of December. We played so well, and, and we, I believe we scored over 100 points uh, those two games leading into finals. But, um, but uh, no, we were playing well. And it, it, but it did take some time getting back into the swing of things. We had some great practices, but we were a little rusty. Went down to Roger Williams. Um, game went to overtime. We were fortunate enough to to get the win that night. But um, it, it did take some time, and we have been playing our best basketball just um, the past two or three weeks. Oh, that's certainly nice. You want your team, obviously, to peak a little bit closer to the end of the season, or at least at the end of the season, uh, than you do in the middle. You don't want to, you know, to, to to fall off. But what's been the biggest challenge for you guys? Obviously, the conference is what the conference is. But outside of that, what's been your biggest challenge? Sure. Um, obviously, like you said, the conference is you know it's very strong this year. A lot of parity in the league. Um, you know, a lot of our games. I believe we had seven games so far this season um, in league where we've been um, either down or the score has been tied with five minutes to go. So the, the the league is you know very strong this year with the challenge every night. Um, last night down at Salve um, was a very very tough uh, tough game. We were fortunate enough to get out of there with the win. But um, probably the biggest challenge is you know we do get everybody's best shot. Teams are excited to play. You know, like you said, this you know we you know won 20 games last year, won the regular season, and um, so teams are excited to play. So that's probably been the you know biggest challenge. And our our kids are starting to understand that every night that you know the other team's going to be very excited to play, and we have to you know match their intensity. Um, let's talk about this conference before we talk about your team because the conference has got me rather confused. Eastern Nazarene started the season incredibly well. Uh, talking to one of their uh, alums who actually kind of does some writing for us at D3 Hoops, and uh, he and I were both kind of going, okay, how do we read into that? Let's see what that happens when they get into conference play. And they started conference play well. Then things got a little bit tougher, but they're still sitting in second at 10-5. and five. Endicott, who's certainly been in the conversation the last few years, 10-5. and five. Wentworth's 10-5. and five. And then there's everybody else, and it's, and it's hard to kind of gauge. Unfortunately, Curry's having a, a really rough season at 0-22 and 0-15 in the conference. But, you know, you got that kind of grouping. And those three plus yourself with Gordon and Roger Williams kind of lurking in the background. But what is – I'm having trouble reading the conference this season. I'm, you know, Eastern Nazarene starts well. You're playing consistent. What right. else is this about this conference that I'm missing? <laughs> you know what? At the end of the day, it's, it's really good. I mean, the coaching, I mean – I mean, Eastern Nats got off to a great start yeah. this year. Um, it's now the coaching in the league is very good. A lot of talented guard play. Um, you know, teams are teams are deep this year. A lot of returning players. I believe eight out of the ten players on you know the first and second team of the conference this year are back. So a, a lot of parity in the league. Um, you know, UNE Ed Silva's doing a great job there. They've had some big wins early when I was getting the scout ready for them. They and I watched them beat Bates and Bowden earlier this year and and you know, Indicott, Kevin Benton, of course, doing a great job there and Arlen over at Wentworth. So there's a lot of, you know, really good teams and it teams just knocking each other off. I mean, I, I know we're on top right now with thirteen and two, but I mean, there are a few of those nights where, you know, the, you know, we've got a couple extra bounces and, you know, we're fortunate enough to win the game. Well, and that's what's, I mean, that's the hard part. I mean, obviously, we're looking at a conference that's going to get one bid, the automatic. We don't, I mean, you guys are the highest ranked team out of this conference, and you're what, middle of the pack, low end of the pack of the 
of the regional rankings when they came out today. That's nothing surprising. We're not talking about anything you guys don't know uh, in your at your school or at the conference. But what is it about the conference that, as you say, is improving? And what can we? Is this something that's maybe a nice trend that we're going to see the CCC maybe get up there and start battling with the big boys sometime in the near future? You know, I, you know, honestly, I think so. I mean, it's getting harder. I mean, I mean, last year be my first year in the league. I mean, I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough. Um, there are a lot of, you know, good coaching in the league and a lot of good players. I mean, the um, guys in our league are uh, working incredibly hard to, you know, get their programs to the top of the league. And there are a lot of talented players. You know, coaching in this region for a while now. A lot of the, you know, top players who I've seen through the years are now, you know, on rosters in the CCC, and the, these kids are playing really well. Um, you've got Curry ahead uh, at right. home, then you got away, uh, away at Gordon, and then you're back home against Eason Nazarene. So an interesting kind of back and forth there in the scheduling. But interesting and also, you're playing all facets of the schedule. You're, you're playing the bottom team in Curry. You're going to play a Gordon team who's in the middle of the conference. You're playing Eastern Nazarene, who has an outside chance right now. Not a great chance, but an outside chance of, 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 of maybe trying to knock you off. You'd have to lose all of them, and they'd have to win all of them. So how do you kind of get the team mentally prepared for what will be a very kind of different trio of games here? Sure. Um, you know, try and take it one day at a time. You know, try and stick to the process. Um, you know, we're still trying to, you know, fix a few things. We're really trying, like you said, we're trying to peak at the right time. Um, you know, we're getting close, um, you know, in different facets of the game. But, um, you know, really just trying to stick to this process day in and day out, trying to keep getting better. And uh, hoping, hoping, you know, this week and next week we really start to, you know, hit our stride going into the postseason. Uh, obviously, last year the season came to an abrupt end when the University of New England uh, unceremoniously ended the season uh, with a one-point loss um, to, to keep you guys from getting the NCAA tournament. How much is that still kind of driving you guys here? Right. Sure. Um, you know, for our return, you know, for our four returning players, you know, they, you know, we played those guys this year. You know, they were very much, you know, looking forward to that game. And, you know, uh, UNE played great that night. They were, you know, they were the better team. Um, down down the stretch, they made more plays. But, you know, that game is really, you know, um, got our guys excited for the season, our off season uh, Workouts went well. Um, you know, the coaching staff, we knew we had to work even harder to, you know, get back, you know, to the postseason and have a chance to, you know, hopefully have things, you know, be different this time around um, going forward. How much are you are you looking to try and improve the off the out of conference schedule? I mean, obviously you came in last year, your hands were somewhat tied, but you know the Beckers, the Thomases, the Daniel Websters are good teams, and certainly they're good for you guys. But how much would you like to be playing teams out of the New Mac and teams out of the NESCAC and and others, including your alma mater Springfield, to try and help you guys improve? Sure. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward where, um, you know, in the future, we're definitely looking to, you know, play the best teams um, in New England and, um, you know, in other parts of the region, hopefully in in different tournaments. So we are always looking to, um, you know, always looking for games that can help our strength of schedule and get us ready for uh, conference play in December and January. Yeah, it's, it's must maybe, here's an interesting way of saying this. You know, a lot of schools, I'm, I'm not trying to indicate anything, but a lot of schools sometimes winning is not a priority. I was talking to somebody out in the central region. You look at that school, and they want the best for their student-athletes, certainly, but going out and winning championships and winning NCAA tournament games not necessarily supposed to be at the top of the priority list. The top of that priority list is supposed to be uh, grooming students to be better people and obviously go out into the work, uh, go off into life with the ability to work or do whatever they want. 
is there a push on campus to, to be a top-notch New England school, or is it more about making sure you got your student-athletes uh, positioned the way they should be by the end of their their college careers? Yeah, um, you know, good question. I mean, I can say definitely at Nichols, um, we're a very supportive team. I like to say that, we, you know, we have the team behind the team. Our, you know, our administration is behind us in the athletics department. Our upper campus administration is behind us. And, you know, our fans, alumni, you know, our parents really support the program. So we, you know, want to do it for all those people. And, you know, because of all their support, you know, we've been fortunate enough to, you know, be on top of the league. But, um, now there's definitely, you know, we definitely, you know, want to win and, um, you know, be one of the best teams in the region. Um, talking here with Tom Glenn, uh, head coach of Nichols. The, the team will take on Curry and then Gordon in the next two and then finish up the season against Eastern Nazarene. Ryan, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> Ryan Scott, our Eastern Nazarene grad. Um, obviously, the Triple C has an interesting dichotomy. You guys have some interesting trips, uh, as it were, throughout New England. The weather's cooperated with you guys this year. It has, it has, it has been, uh, you know, knock on wood here. And, um, you know, no games have been moved yet. You know, yes. we had moved some practice times. We haven't lost any practices or games yet. So it's been, uh, it's been nice. Um, let's talk about the squad here. Uh, you've got a, a handful of seniors on this, but a lot of juniors. Seems like you're kind of growing a little bit. And then you're going to have a bit of a drop-off. You're not going to have any sophomore class technically, and then it's a whole mess of freshmen. So obviously you're kind of going through what's going to be an interesting couple of years here. You're going to maybe be able to keep this trend up for next year and then supposedly hit a low. I know recruiting can change all of that. Right. Um, and then get back in the mix. But, you know, you've got the, the senior group who's obviously striving to, to, to finish the season as strong as they can. Um, and you're led by a, a senior in Irving uh, Eggleston, your captain from East Lyme, Connecticut, nearly 19 points a game, six rebounds a game, shoots 45% from the floor. You also have, uh, I'm not going to be able to say Marcus's last name, so I'm going to let you do it for me. Sure. It's uh, Echevarria. Echevarria. I actually yeah. like that. That's a very nice name. Yeah. Marcus, uh, 18 points a game, three and a half rebounds. By the way, I should point out, uh, Eggleston, three assists a game. Marcus is nearly three assists a game. And then I'm not going to say uh, <laughs> Gustav uh, Kamori. Kamori. Oh, good thing yeah. you said that. I wasn't going in that direction. Uh, <laughs> Kumari's got three and a half assists a game, 12 and a half points a game, four and a half rebounds. I don't see that very often where the three leading scorers are basically also um, integral in the assist game. I don't want to take away from Christian Horton, who's leading the team at 4.2, but that's that. you guys like to spread the wealth quite a bit there. Right, we do it. No, it's been a fun group to coach. They're extremely unselfish. Uh, we focus a lot, you know, practice on making the extra pass. We, right now, we have five kids, averaging over ten points a game. Um, you know, of course, you know the three C's mentioned: Irv, um, you know, Irving Eggleston, who, you know, embodies, you know, everything. In, you know, everything what a you know true Nichols basketball, you know, spirit is all about. He plays, you know, so hard on both ends of the floor. He's our true unquestionable leader and our other players just, you know, feed off his intensity and, and passion and you know, Christian Horton, our starting point guard, he's just, you know, the ultimate winner and, and teammate and Gustav is, you know, just so so talented. Um, you know, there are nights where he has, you know, eighteen points, nine assists and, you know, just carries us some nights and and of course, you know, the freshman Marcos who just really this year has put us over the top and, you know, he makes us special. There are some nights where, you know, last night, you know, included that, you know, we were having trouble scoring and, you know, he steps up and scores twenty five points and Opening night, we had a couple of our 
upperclassmen injured and or coming off injuries and it was kind of that next man up approach and you know he Marcos comes out and scores you know 33 points in the opener so kind of all year use that you know next man up philosophy um this team's valid adversity early in the year with a, you know, a number of injuries but you know this is been the next man up all year and it's been led by that senior leadership of Irving and you know Christian and Gustav. That tough loss last year has it been basically NCA or bust mentality this year? It has been. It, it has been. Like I said, it's only been you know only four players returning from last year's right. squad, but um, all the new kids coming in um, through the recruiting process. Few of them were at the game um, that we lost to UNE, and they understand though that the younger players in the program understand the goals. We set out goals at the beginning of the year. We had team meeting and we set goals, and they understand that you know the goal is to you know defend the regular season title, win the conference tournament, and you know of course get to the NCAA tournament. Well, it certainly is a fascinating run here um, for you guys. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what you can do the rest of the way. Obviously, the conference wants to have you. <laughs> they want to make sure to beat you if they can. Uh, right. Obviously, home court is a is a must for you guys. But how hard is it to defend home court? It, it, it's tough. Every night in the league, like I said, we get everyone's best shot, and we play some really good teams who know everything about us, and it's – we just gotta continue to kind of st- stick to that process, and we need we gotta go win one more here to um, yeah. you know to clinch that top seed and get home court ideally throughout you know throughout the uh, conference tournament here. So that's that's the goal, and um, you know hopefully we can get it done on Saturday against Curry here at home, and then we can kind of prepare here for the conference tournament. By the way, you guys are kind of out in the middle of no man's land there in Massachusetts. <laughs> uh, you're on the Connecticut border. Uh, between 395 and 84, south of the Mass Pike. I mean, I know the area only because I'm passing it, uh, taking 84 up to 90 on my way to Maine. You're you're south of Auburn. Uh, like I said, you're kind of in no man's land up there uh, on the on the south border of, of Massachusetts. But at last I checked, and I could be yeah. wrong, but last I checked, there are no bison uh, in Massachusetts. What's wh- bison is one of the more interesting mascots for a school in New England I have seen. Um, yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> you know what? I I, I, should, I should probably answer that question, huh? Um, you know what? I am not honestly not sure. To be honest with you, <laughs> it's man. all right. I, yeah, I wasn't quite expecting that question, but that, I will. I, uh, it's because it just came to my head, Coach. I literally went, "Wait a minute!" I'm talking about the bison here. Right, um, right. It's better off though than it is for the Amherst folk who don't have any mascot whatsoever. So maybe loan them the bison. Um, to give them a chance for a mascot in the meantime. But how hard is it where you guys are? I mean, you literally, there's no major roads near you. There's no, I mean, yes, 395 is nearby, don't get me wrong, but it's not like you're that close to the bustling metropolis of, of, of Boston. You're not near Hartford. You're kind of in that lull area in between. That's got to be a unique location for you guys. It is, you know, it's definitely a unique location, but for us, um, you know, recruiting-wise and, you know, from a student-athlete standpoint, um, for us to get the right player, um, you know, it's a small-knit community here. It's a small campus where everyone knows your name, and it's great, great business programs in the athletic department and um, all renovations here on campus, both the academic buildings and our, our renovations in the athletic center. We now have a state-of-the-art 
um, fitness center mm-hmm. and we have a new varsity weight room and our court just got redone and they're building us a new men's basketball locker room. So it's a, so much, you know, changes on campus and you know, that's where we're able to attract some really good, um, you know, student athletes that, you know, help us on the court here. And, but it's, 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 uh, for the right kid, I, if our players are on a roster, they know they want business and they know they want a small, you know, small school, and they want to be part of, you know, a basketball program that is, you know, striving to be one of the top in, you know, one of the top programs in the Northeast. I will say you are perfectly positioned, though, from about every single school in the general New England area. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that hard to get to schools in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, et cetera. So it is a neat little spot you guys are located. Uh, Coach, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, interesting to talk about Nichols and, and see what's going on in the Triple C. Obviously, you're on a nice long-running uh, game uh, win streak, I should say, here. And with three to play, you still have a lot to play for. Uh, but congratulations on a terrific season so far. Good luck the rest of the way. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, thank you again for having me on, and I will, Dave. I will get you the answer about the bison. I will. Uh, <laughs> I will. No, I will ask my sports info guy here uh, uh, in the morning. Here, I, I will have an answer uh, for you. I'll shoot you an email there tomorrow. There you go. With the I'll, I'll, I'll mention on the show Sunday. It's just one of those more interesting mascots. That's so sorry about that random question on you. But hey, congratulations! By the way, I, I did mean to ask you, what is it? Well, number eleven in the New England regional rankings is is what it is. But what does that mean for the program? You know, it just means that, you know, it's one step closer, you know, reaching our goals. It's, you know, we were, you know, hopefully next week or the week after, you know, we're even higher. And just, um, you know, for our kids, it just shows them, you know, that I've been telling them, you know, since I got the job here, the quote's been, you know, you work hard to get what you deserve. And, you know, that's kind of what our program's been all about. And, um, you know, it's nice anytime they can see their name, you know, recognize getting votes and different things and, and, and now, you know, being regionally ranked and, um you know, it's just one step in the you know in the right direction. Now the next step is you know the school's never been to the NCAA tournament, so now it's we got to take that next step and you know get to that NCAA tournament. Makes sense. Uh, so that's the final question I actually asked you. So <laughs> appreciate it, Coach. Thanks so much for coming on. Good luck the rest of the way, and uh, we'll talk soon. I'm sure. No problem. Thank you again. Absolutely. Uh, Tom Glenn joining us from Nichols. Uh, second season there. He's having a pretty good one. 39 and 3 overall. The team is 19 and 3 this season, 13 and 2 in that Triple C, the Commonwealth Coast Conference. Uh, three games to play, uh, as we said, uh, at home against Curry on Saturday. Tuesday, they'll be on the road against Gordon. And then on Saturday, they'll be home against Easton. Eastern Nazarene. Again, they got a three game uh, lead on the conference. So basically, they've wrapped this conference up. Um, the one more game will make that official. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show and take questions from you if you have any. I also want to talk about another team up in New England. It's, uh, kind of We kind of missed this story a couple weeks ago because of how busy we were with everything else, but it's something worth bringing up. Uh, you are listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC WBCA studios. I want to thank Coach Glenn for joining us on the City of Salem hotline. Of course, City of Salem, host of the men's Final Four in Salem, Virginia, in the Roanoke Valley for the 20th consecutive year. We'll be back with more Hoops Hope uh, right after this. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given, 
comes a special obligation. Our obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. Kyle wouldn't change it for the world. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division One. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Hey, welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Of course, hoopsville presented by d3hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. You may have heard us try and mention it every time. We, old habits are going to be hard to break. We've got to write ourselves a note. But City of Salem back on board to support Hoopsville. We certainly appreciate Carrie Harvey Cutter and the rest of the gang down there in Salem, Virginia. They've been big supporters of our show over the years, and we appreciate their uh, jumping on board once again. They are sponsor uh, in the past of the School of the Week. We just didn't do the School of the Week this year with everything else we had kind of going on uh, with other programming and stuff. And because we added uh, some extra shows, we were able to do some um, uh, extra guests anyway. Uh, but they're now our, our hotline sponsor. So instead of the Hoopsaw hotline, is the City of Salem's hotline again. Um, City of Salem hosting their 20th Men's Championship Weekend and Final Four. They will actually hand out their 19th Men's Basketball Championship 
course, the championship in 2013 was given out in Atlanta after Salem had hosted the Elite Eight in the Final Four instead. So, uh, again, tremendous. And by the way, I think they've handed out nearly 80 NCAA titles in the city of Salem overall. Most of those going to Division Three, but also to some Division Twos as well. It is one heck of a host in terms of the NCAA, and we want to thank Kerry and the crew at the city of Salem for coming on board once again. We will be making our 16th trip to the city of Salem and the Roanoke Valley for the men's championship weekend. Of course, in two and a half weeks, we'll find out who gets to play for that. In five and a half weeks, we'll be in Salem. Uh, looking forward to that. We will once again do a uh, Hoopsville um, a gathering with the coaches uh, the Thursday uh, prior to the games. However, we will not be doing a live show that night. We're going to probably either do one of two things. We haven't quite figured this out, but we're going to do one of two things. We're either going to pre-record some interviews regarding the women's games and save our men's stuff for the pre-game shows on Friday and Saturday that we do live from the Salem Civic Center. Or um, we're not going to do a show at all. We'll just skip that Thursday show in general uh, and dedicate all of our time to Friday and Saturday instead. We do a lot of work down there, and to be honest with you, taking this off my shoulders a little bit will be a little bit easier. Um, and it'll allow us to do a few extra things and prepare better. For those Friday, Saturday pregame shows. The other thing, too, is what we're saying on Thursday ends up being said on Friday. So why don't you just tune into the pregame show instead on Friday? Get you ready for the semifinals. Get you ready in between those two games. Uh, and then get you ready at the end. And then we'll be back on Saturday. So just a matter of, of scheduling a little bit better. But we will be back. And, of course, we will have those pregame shows as well on Friday and Saturday before the games. The games are later this year. Um, I believe, if memory serves, the championship for the men will be played at 6 o'clock on Friday, uh, and that would mean the All-Star game would be at 3.30. Um, last year was much earlier due to CBS Sports Network, who are still broadcasting the game, but the game will be played at 6. Instead, speaking of scheduling, in two and a half weeks, this uh, will be on the air, well, between now and then, we'll be on the air every night, Saturday, uh, Thursdays and Sundays at 7 o'clock. But after that, uh, we will be on the air um, on the Sunday the 28th at 6 o'clock, uh, part of our extended selection show coverage, have interviews with some go coaches, but we'll also be breaking down who we think is in and, and out of the NCAA tournament. Uh, we won't do bracketing per se. We'll certainly take some questions about bracketing, but Pat and I, at least to the selections, that was a little bit more interesting than us trying to bracket on air. But we'll do the selections, that's for sure, and then we'll let them bracket it out later. And then on the 29th, obviously, the uh, teams will be selected and brackets will be announced. Um, and then we'll have our, our bracket show after that, talking to those who may be in, maybe some of the surprises, and then talk to the committee chairs about the whole process. That's all coming up on the 28th and 29th of February. I hinted at something going on up in New England. I don't know if anybody's been paying attention. I honestly knew something was up, but I kind of got distracted with some of the things and didn't get back to it. If you haven't seen what's going on at Green Mountain, um, I don't blame you for starters, but it's a little bit crazy. Let me go up. Let me call up their team. You know, they had a tremendous season going. Uh, they certainly were playing well. Of course, they're in the NAC, the North Atlantic Conference. They're 17 and 4 right now. Started the season um, pretty well, a handful of losses. Got into January with only two losses total. And things were just a little bit crazy. And then things came off the rails, <laughs> for lack of a better description. Um, two things that have come their coach has been fired, Anthony uh, Leonelli. Has been fired. They had an article come out in early uh, January written by Vice. Excuse me, my contacts are acting up here, folks. Um, 
written by Vice about when it all, basically when it all cost. It was a, a, a boisterous, flamboyant story about, hey, we don't care. This is how we're going to win. We're going to be in your face, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I read it and didn't love it and read it a second time and loved it even less. And anyway, long story short, um, the it was revealed that they had two ineligible players um, in that first half of the season. Now, I have, have do not have it on record, but I have it from a number of people to indicate that maybe one of those ineligibles had already used up all of his eligibility to begin with. So shouldn't have been playing to begin with. Um, I will freely admit that is speculation. That is not a fact that anybody will give to me on record. Um, but I have heard that from a number of sources to make it certainly seem that that is the case. Nonetheless, the coach was then fired for apparently, according to Hoop Dirt, insubordination. Apparently defending his team and defending his players to a point of insubordination. We should also mention the athletics director was relieved at the same time, roughly, give or take a few days. Then the NAC announced, apparently unrelated to that, they announced, well, I should say, because of the ineligible players, the team is not eligible for the NAC playoffs. In the meantime, their whole process of entering Division Three has been um, set back a year. They're in a provisional status, so set back another year overall. Then the NAC said they weren't even going to be allowed to be participate in men's basketball's postseason, and any games against them will not be used to calculate the regular season standings. In the NAC briefing, they then go on to say, then unrelated to all this, the coach has been fired. Listen, I'm going to read between the lines a little bit here. There's no way the coach has been fired unrelated to the players being ineligible based on the article we saw in Vice, actually not Vibe, but Vice, and insubordination, and then the AD's been let go. It's a mess. Clearly it's a mess. No one's going to come out and say it. But I cannot imagine the coach has been fired for only insubordination. He's there, There's more to this story. And it's disappointing because that's not Division Three. If it is true that you got a player on your on your on your team who played who was ineligible because he had two he had already used up all of his his eligibility to begin with, there's a major problem. Now in the NAC press release, they basically said that the coach had been in, investigated for ineligible players in the past and cleared. I do not know if that's related to this year's players or previous players. And nothing against the coach. I do not know him. But on Twitter, he's bragging that he was let go just as everything was working and, and it's unfair to rip that away from the team and from him just when they got things. You have been found ineligible to play in the NCAA tournament. I mean, the NAC tournament. Forget the NCAAs. The whole school is taking a, another year to get into the NCAA Division Three full membership. I, there's so many problems with this. If you read between the lines and, and, and you read into what you're reading it's a mess. And I'm trying not to talk out of turn. There's certainly a lot of things you could just flat out say. I'm trying to find one of his tweets. Give me a moment. Here we go. 
It's go I'm uh, Yeah, Pat actually says what I want to say. So Pat tweets out his thing. It says his quote is, it's a hell of a thing when you spend a year of your life building something and it gets ripped from you, saving graces, knowing it worked. Pat's response is, interesting take considering his Green Mountain team was declared ineligible for NAC title, hence NCAAs. His response was, unconnected actually, points out the hoop dirt article about insubordination, says, but appreciate your concern. Pat's response, it seems unlikely that it's a coincidence that those are on consecutive days. I agree with Pat. And I basically said so, and then I deleted the tweet. I had I had tweeted something good and decided to delete the tweet in hindsight. But basically my point was, give me a break. Your insubordination is what's on record. You had ineligible players. Your vice article, I'm sorry, is not that good. He played for, he played at Mass Boston, by the way. I'm assuming I haven't looked into it. I believe I'm pretty sure he played basketball at Mass Boston. Jemaine played under a pretty respectable coach. I'm a little surprised by all this at Green Mountain, to be completely honest. It's not Division Three. We don't win at all costs in Division Three. Yeah, you can make an argument that certain people will bend the rules, and trust me, I can tell you some stories. But to brag about it, and I'm sorry, to hide behind the, that it's in insub- I'm not buying the story. See, now I'm getting fired up. Now I'm reading in between the lines a little bit more. I'm going to have to be a little careful here because I don't want to say too much and, 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 and be incorrect. But I'm reading between the lines, and I'm not buying the story. I think Green Mountain allowed something to go on that shouldn't have happened. And when they finally wised up to the fact, when someone probably called them on the carpet is what I think happened. I think someone finally called them out on it. Because I was at the NCAA convention, and there was plenty of talk about this. I think somebody called him out. They were found guilty. AD let go, too. I mean, that's where it starts screaming there's a problem. I'm sure Anthony will come screaming at me about whatever I've had to say, but I'm not buying it. And there's plenty of people in New England who have told me something's way beyond fishy, beyond what you read online. I digress. It's not Division Three. This is not how we do things in Division Three. You will get me fired up when you start taking advantage of the student-athlete experience in Division Three. You will get me fired up when you just think that you can just circumvent this and treat this like you're a D1, high-end D1 program, like a Louisville or somebody who, who, who's going to circumvent the rules just to, to make a splash. In Division Three, that's why you'll get me fired up about that team out there in Iowa. I will not talk about it unless they actually make the NCAA tournament, because that's circumventing the D- Division Three experience. It's circumventing student athletes' experience. Drives me insane. Drives me insane. I will celebrate a team like Curry, who's 0 and 22, because they're trying to do it the right way. Before I will celebrate a team who's having an unbelievable season by cheating. Two ineligible students in the first half, and from what I've been told, they knew they were ineligible. I hate that. I absolutely hate that. Lots of good basketball to watch this weekend, folks. You thought Wednesday was crazy? It's only going to get better. Make sure you stick to d3hoops.com. See all the scores and updates. By the way, how about St. Norbert men and women both trying to go undefeated in conference? That's going to be one heck of a statement. 
In the meantime, though, some awesome articles from our regional reporters once again around the country on D3Hoops.com. Please don't uh, shy away from those. Another great story out of Clark. Great but sad, I should say. Coaches versus Cancer game was held last Saturday when uh, Clark faced off against MIT. Of course, uh, Coach Phillips and his staff wore their, their jackets and ties along with the sneakers. This game, uh, extra meaning because Clark assistant Pat Orozco um, um, was diagnosed with uh, stage 4 es- esophageal cancer and it spread to his lymph nodes. So the team was certainly playing for Pat and the rest of the guys there. A tough story when you talk about cancer. But a great story on the website about that. And actually, it's a link to Clark's story, which it deserves. Clark's story, terrifically written. It was actually written by uh, Jen Tolan, Worcester Telegram and Gazette staff. Worth a read. Cancer is a bitch, that's for sure. And we want to congratulate Clark for their efforts. And everybody else with the coaches versus cancer efforts. Everybody else with the uh, uh, women's efforts on their side. There's a there's a bunch of different foundations and groups that do things and I want to congratulate everybody, either being wearing pink or wearing sneakers or whatever. Congratulations to all them. Uh, you know what? We should probably check the scores before we let you go. Again, if you were tuning in for St. Thomas's Ruth Sin, I apologize. We didn't get her on the show today. Uh, miscommunication on my part. We'll get her on a show sometime soon. Uh, quick check of scores. Southern Vermont continues to win. We'll be talking about them. There's another team that's got to get in or not get in type scenario. Um... They lead, They won 64-51 over Becker today. Albertus Magnus beat Norwich 77-64. Uh, those are the men's scores. Some other games are in progress, but nothing else jumping out at me. On the women's side of things, Texas Tyler was in action today. Uh, they beat Bellhaven 76-46. No surprise. Of course, Texas Tyler, the number five team in the country. How about that? Jumping up to number five. Pretty impressive, to say the least. Um... Checking out Sage Women lost to Mount St. Vincent tonight. Had Sage on the show a few uh, last week on the marathon, uh, but losing to Mount St. Vincent that's a tough loss for Sage. Um, trying to see if there's anybody else in action that score jumps out at me. Nothing major jumping out at me here. Some non-conference games, interestingly enough. Randolph Macon playing Gallaudet today's. And Randolph Macon winning 73-57 in women's basketball action. You don't see that very often this time of year. But that's going to do it. I want to thank all of our guests. I want to thank uh, Janice Luck from uh, number 12 Albright, Jan Vanderwall from number 8 Marietta, Lance Loya from uh, Mount Aloysius, uh, the NABC Coaches Corner, and Coach Tom Glenn from Nichols as well. Also do want to thank Ruth Sin from St. Thomas for trying to get on my show today, but uh, uh, unavailable. We appreciate her trying to make the effort. I want to thank all their sports information directors as well for assisting uh, on the show. We certainly appreciate their efforts. Um, as always, it is always good to have um, the help, as it were. Um, again, don't forget you can interact with us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville, D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, Sunday, we will go back to the Northeast again as scheduled. We'll talk Northeast. We'll talk uh, Atlantic region. We will talk South region. And we will talk Central region. Also, the WBCA Center Court 
will be a, a major factor on the show. So tune in. This is definitely when we go long. We're already long by 20 minutes, but this is definitely where we start extending the shows a little bit, trying to talk to more coaches as well. Uh, that's going to do it. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Certainly appreciate your support. Uh, don't forget to tell your friends about the show, and also please don't forget to tell everybody about the Hoopsville fundraising campaign. Uh, we appreciate your support. It has two and a half weeks left as well. By the time we get done with our selections on Selection Sunday, our campaign will be over as well. So any help you can give us would be greatly appreciated. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you have questions for us, you have guest ideas or whatever the case may be, tweet us at D3Hoopsville. Use the hashtag Hoopsville. You can also uh, email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. You can also join us on Twitter, I mean on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, and on Instagram at D3Hoopsville as well. Thanks to our guest tonight. Thanks to you for tuning in. Things are getting interesting. Two and a half weeks left. Tell your friends. We're going to be on air answering your questions, et cetera. You've been listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBC and ABC studios. Thanks also to the City of Salem for their support and to you who have donated to the Hoopsville fundraising campaign. Thank you very much, and we'll see you on Sunday night.